friend? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. This is the Laced Up, Still Kinda Quarantined podcast, and I am still kind of James Cole. Uh, aren't, aren't you fully James Cole? I don't know, am I? I don't feel like me these days. Oh, okay, well, it's the new normal, James. you got to get used to whatever it is you feel like. Uh, I'm sort of Brutes Pataglia, that's actually true. That's not a... A weird comment like James's uh, of the North Side, I guess, and uh, of this podcast. Fair enough, man. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. That's uh, real fucking hot in my room right now, mm-hmm. so I got the fan on in the oh, background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's fun living in a, a house without air conditioning that's really small, um, because all your privileged friends that grew up with air conditioning are always like, you know, I love the summer. And, oh, it's not that bad without AC, and it's like, well, you've never fucking had it. And they're like, well, I grew up, you know, some people be like, oh, I grew up my whole life without AC. Yeah, well, you also had a fucking basement. Like, that's basically AC. I don't have a basement. I got nowhere to hide. There's nowhere cool to go in this house. It's just bottles in the heat. It's just a little bottle. While while I do have a basement, uh, my room is in the second story yes. of this building. Yeah, uh, so you, you may have a, a bigger gripe than me. I, I think my room is much smaller, but... Given the yeah. heat rising, I still think you've got me beat. I would imagine. Yeah, I'm currently, uh, you know, those like sticky tape things you put on the wall to like put a poster up or something like that. Sure. Uh, it is so hot in my room. I'm watching one slowly slide down from behind something that That's it's fucked. supposed to be holding up. And, and I'm getting a little nervous. And just for people listening to this, uh, in case you need some context, listening back to this, I, I it's like what. 23 degrees out today like it's not it's not that hot it's not hot it's at not all hot. it's actually like a normal a normal june day and uh boy my room, my room is reading 30 for the record yeah so. no i believe that yeah. i'm just saying it's uh i have my fan I'm, I'm sure people are gonna wonder what the the background noise is on my audio this week it is my fan uh I, it has the option to go up to six i rarely use six and it is on six so there you go yeah good times um yeah, so you know, we're, we're kind of plugging virus. along uh, through uh, through quarantine here, and uh, as the summer months come come into focus, it's it's getting closer and closer to hockey season. I guess I think, and, which is well, wild to say. While we're while we're on the subject, because you do mention every week the still kind of quarantined podcast, like I, I think I think whatever this is now doesn't really qualify as quarantine anymore. I think it's, I think that, like, the fact that people are still, are, like, going and seeing people and going to fucking patios and shit like that, like, even though you're keeping a distance, it's, you know, people are leaving their house. When, when, I don't know what everyone else did, but when I said I was quarantined, I literally, like, didn't hang out with other people for, like, 81 days or something. It's crazy. That, no, no, that that's was fair. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely getting easier, um, in terms of what quarantine means to people. Um... <laughs> 
But you know, it's just it's the little I can, things. I can like, hear, you know what I mean? Like I can hear the Liberty Mutual ad starting now. What does quarantine mean to you? Goes on fair this whole question. Spiel. What, what does? Uh, feel free to tweet out at at least at the hockey uh, podcast uh, what quarantine means to you, and we'll get some reader reactions. But fourth grade show and tell fucking yeah. project or something. Holy fuck. Holy fuck, it's hot. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, corn. You, you like, I can see, you're only, like, I got my zoom window minimized, so you're in this very small part of my screen on the right-hand side. You look not good. Like, you look sick might be, because you're so hot. Might be tarps off here soon. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually 11 degrees in your room, you just can't see the fucking thermometer because you've got coronavirus. Yeah, no shit. Um, no, for, for me, quarantine is, it's, it's the little things like, you know, like I'm, I guess I'm back to work, but I'm not really like, it's not like the restaurant's no. open and you can come in and well, sit down. And... But you got, you got to, you know what? You have responsibilities now, which is nice. Yeah. Cause, uh, I don't. Beyond that, not I'm still not thing. allowed to go into a grocery store without, you know, waiting in line for half an hour and... Uh, I can't go see a movie, you know, like, the movies are shut sure. down, like, that's a big one, like, I didn't really think, like, I don't go to the movies a lot, but it's, like, knowing that I can't go, it's, yeah. you know, it's, that's, that's what quarantine is for me right now, and, yeah, well, of, it's just having the, like, you don't have the option to do things that you, exactly, like, anything exactly. you want to do, like, like, right now, if for some reason I had this amount of time off, like, for no reason, uh, like, I'd go to Duluth for a couple days, or, I, like, I would probably get the fuck out of town right now is what I would be doing, because I don't have anything to do, and, like, short of, like, really close domestic traveling, there's not really, like, anywhere I can go, so, you know what I mean? Like, that's not an option, you can't, like, I, like, even if I were bored, I would walk to a bar or something and have a couple drinks, or, you know what I mean, do something like that, walk to a friend's hangout, but... Um, you know, you shouldn't be doing those things, and that's, uh... I'm sure everyone already understands the full limitations of coronavirus. I'm not really sure why I'm summarizing uh, the last three months for everyone like it's a fucking movie they didn't watch. Yeah, I, I think we're all pretty caught up at this point. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not coming to the least up podcast. Have you heard about this Dr. Fauci guy? What's his fucking deal, you know? Like, anyone yeah, ever okay. heard of this guy? Um, yeah, so... So that's that's just how how my my view of it's it's going and and you can't do everything you love. So um, that being said, like you know, we're still at this point spending a lot of time at at home and 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 trying to oh, yeah. kill time that way. Like today, I had a day off, and Ooh. it was supposed to be shitty out, so I didn't make any plans and just kind of yeah. hung out here all day and um, watched some movies and Ooh. and that's that's all you can what? do. What what are you what are well, you watching? This is one thing we haven't done in a little while. Uh, is our old segment that we used to do every week. What I've been watching, or what I watched, it didn't have a name, it doesn't matter, we just used to talk about movies and stuff sometimes. What, Barely uh, a segment. Yeah, yeah. What What have you been watching? Because I feel like every time yeah. I ask you, do you watch this, do you watch that, you're like, no, no. So what have you watched? I, I can't say I've watched anything new. Okay. Um, That's fine. Yeah, I, I, watched the, uh, I watched the new Mark Mayron special that's on Netflix. Very good. I guess... It's kind of new. It was, it was fucking wild. I, I had a good time with that. Real funny. His, the yeah. the last bit is very not Mark Marin, but it, I appreciate. I, like it was still funny. It was just very different than any bit I've ever heard him do. But it was still great. Yep. Yeah. Oh, big fan of that. And 
they put them on Netflix, and I watched them. Uh, guilty pleasure. I, I watched all eight of the Fast and Furious movies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, they like, are. Uh... I I okay. I try not to be like this too much because like I try to just let people enjoy shit that they enjoy. I have to ask you, how can you fucking sit through eight of those movies in a row? I've seen them all, but broken up over the course of the last like fifteen years or whatever the fuck. That's fair. I I really like the uh, the first three. Like I I think that those were. Those were good action films. Like the first one, I'd rather, the first one is, is fantastic. I'd rather just watch Gone in sixty seconds three times. <laughs> Gotta be honest with you. <laughs> like in succession, like I'd, I'm not even fucking joking. Oh man, um, I, I don't know. This Gone in sixty seconds is great too. Um, I, I like that. Like the first one is is classic to me. The next two are they're fine, and then after that they just progressively get worse and worse yeah. to the point where like around film six, it's like they know they know how bad it is, but yeah. they're just gonna like lean into it, no. and it makes it even worse. And it, I like I get it, like I've 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 seen uh, like I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody more than one time. I've seen the fuck I've seen the fucking Room more than once. Like I I I understand watching bad movies for the sheer pleasure of it, but those are like. They're not bad enough that they make me laugh, but they're not good enough that I get any sort of enjoyment out of them. Like, it, that almost makes them worse than, like, bad, like, explicitly bad movies. Because at least those are, like, holy fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Those are just, like, a, um, they're like a boring bad for me. I don't know. It's not good. But wh- whatever. I mean, it kept you entertained, I guess. Definitely killed some ever, time, I can tell you that. Did you ever watch that fucking, films. that fucking Ryan Reynolds Six Underground or whatever it was called? Eight under yeah. eight underground, something like yeah. that. Was that any Six good? Underground. Oh, I got it right the first time. I just picked a number. Uh, was it any good? It was a Michael Bay film. Ooh. Um, Ooh. So it so, wasn't good. So it wasn't like unbelievably bad, but it definitely wasn't good. It was not good. Okay. It, I wouldn't say it was bad. Like I. I, again, like guilty pleasure. I'm a sucker for Ryan Reynolds. Like, yeah. even the worst Ryan Reynolds film, I'll just watch it because he's I, in it. Like, I find his humor very fucking relatable. Yeah, yes, I, I'll give you that. I like the dude, and I find him very funny. Um, so that 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 it was a it was an exciting watch. The one thing I didn't love is that um, Dave Franco is in it, and I like Dave Franco. And it was like I'm reading like the little little three casting thing it gives you and it's like Ryan Reynolds and like Dave Franco is one of the actors they list and then Dave Franco's in it for like half an hour it's like, oh, okay like didn't make or break it but it was like one less notable guy that sure all of a sudden wasn't really in it sure so okay yeah I don't know um, have you watched that, that, that's what I've been have watching have you watched anything that you haven't seen before well, Fast and the Furious Eight, I hadn't seen. Oh, oh, so oh, so you had to watch the first seven, so you weren't <laughs> lost on the concept. I had to go back and figure out who had died and come back, that's like before. Yeah, Jesus, that's like that's like them coming up with a new Transformers, and I would be like, you know what? I I don't really remember what happened the first five. I need to watch them over again just so I'm caught up. Like I don't know, it's like just this a November, bunch of shit turns into a bunch of other shit, and Shia LaBeouf was in it for a while. Like that's that's it. 
It's like this November when uh, the new James Bond come, film comes out. Oh, I gotta go back and watch the Connery film oh, to figure yeah. out what I missed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's gonna be laced with references from all of the other 94 Bond movies every time. <laughs> I'm, oh, I, when that new one comes out, I'm just I'm watching it. I I might watch fucking Spectre and Skyfall before I watch it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, but yeah, that that's all I've been really watching. That's hmm. I don't know. Okay. I've I've been watching House with the girlfriend. We we started yeah, like that's way before COVID, and now we're like four episodes left, and she's getting really like, oh, how's this gonna end? And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I've seen this. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's you good. Didn't... Just. I, for I, I uh, forgive us, listeners of the podcast, if you've if you've heard this conversation fifty different times on here. I genuinely don't know if we've talked about it though. You you don't like the ending of House, if I recall correctly, right? Um, I'm or just conflicted I, more so. Conflicted is a good word. Um, I know you and I've had this conversation about other shows. I don't know if it's been about House particularly. But like I'm, I'm the sort of person where that's a show where I feel like he should die at the end. Like when okay. he, it, when the show ends, it's not like like he shouldn't be able to go off and do more house stuff. Otherwise, like, well, let's just sure. keep watching what he does. Like I like that character so much where it's like if he's alive, I want to watch what he's doing. Like so to me, yeah. he's he's destructive enough in his own you know self right that. I think it, it would have made sense to kill him. I, I think it it would be funny if they did like a two episode comeback event where he's like like but it's almost totally separate from the regular plot and now he's just like living in fucking living in Florida on a beach. Like he's basically just um uh basically just Willie from Bad Santa now. Like he's just living in a fucking rundown apartment stealing booze from a fucking bar. Like it, it's possible yes. Bad Santa was a sequel to House. <laughs> I would, I would, you know, it's not that far off. Like those, those characters have a lot of similarities. Ironically, Bad Santa came out before House started, but also true. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, that that's that's what I've been watching. Well, that's good. Um, how, how about yourself? Th- there are worse shows to rewatch in uh, in quarantine. Um, me, I well, I mean, I I made I I think I've said it on here. I made a list of I'm going to say it, it there was at least 100 movies on it of just like really f- like big movies uh, well-known movies that I had never seen and as someone who claims to know a lot about movies I feel like I should also see these movies so that way I have more of a frame of reference when evaluating movies in the future um so I I that's kind of like the number one hobby I kind of took over the all of quarantine here was just trying to um uh, strengthen my knowledge of cinema and, and movies of the past and things like that. So, I mean, I, I, I could fucking go on and on about older shit that I've watched that I really enjoyed. But uh, this weekend was actually a, a, a big um, weekend for movies, actually, because there was it's the first time, I think, since since COVID started uh, that there were two, like, big, like, would have been bigger box office sort of movies that came out. Um, one was Spike Lee's new movie, which is *The Five Bloods*, which I watched uh, the night it came out because I was, or no, the night after it came out, uh, which I was really, really quite excited about. Uh, it was phenomenal, and, and you know it shouldn't really shock anyone. I don't really think Spike Lee's ever made a bad movie, to be honest with you. He's pretty solid and uh, straight across the board good. This is among his best movies for sure. It was fucking really good. Um, 
yeah, it's long. I will I will preface that with everyone. Uh, it does not hit the three-hour mark like The Irishman, but it's pretty fucking close. It might be a movie you want to watch in a couple different sittings if you um, don't have the patience for it. But I, I thought it was a really easy movie to watch. It really reminded me kind of of Tarantino styles just because of the plot. Um, I thought it was a really cool, real cool movie. Um, explores a, a lot of issues um, that are in the news right now, such as uh, Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Uh, probably the main theme of the movie is it's just a group of five uh, Vietnam War vets that go back to Vietnam to, to try to dig up this treasure that they, they had hidden there years ago kind of thing. And... Um, yeah, it just kind of deals with, like, PTSD, and, uh, um, but what, what's interesting about it is because it's five, uh, black guys, so it sort of deals with their, their departure from the military, and how their post-military life has been affected, and, and the treatment and things like that, and it's just a, it's a topic I don't think that's ever really been addressed in a movie, which I thought was an Afri- African-American, uh, veteran, dealing with that kind of shit and the one guy's like a pro-Trump guy and the other guys just think he's an idiot for it and um I will say that is uh um yeah it was it was really well done it's it's gonna win some awards I don't know if it's gonna win major major awards and we could kind of discuss why that might be but um yeah it was really good the one I could see is a Academy Award nomination for Delroy Lindo but uh, yeah, it was really good. And the other thing I watched was last night, I, uh, I paid to see uh, $20, which is the most I've ever paid to see a movie in my life, uh, The King of Staten Island, which uh, was well worth it. It was worth every fucking penny. I, I loved it. Um, but I'm a big Pete Davidson fan and a bigger Judd Apatow fan. So, um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. So I watched that. Uh, I, I did specifically want to mention too uh i am a big fan of billions as you know and uh billions ended the first half of its season on sunday night the reason that they're doing two part of a season is because their filming got uh, disrupted by coronavirus which which i thought was kind of interesting because i know that their production is really like they have a really quick turnaround they have a massive production crew just so they can film shit with topical references and get it out very quick. And what was so amazing about that was there was a reference about how coronavirus was shutting everything down in the last episode. Oh, wow. It, it was just, like, the fact that, like, like they must have filmed the fucking scene at the end of February. Like, they, they must have, given, like, the way the scene was. So uh, so that was super interesting. It was really good. It was one of the best episodes they've done. It was al- It was almost like they knew that this episode was going to be a break in the season because it, it could have been like a season finale it was fucking unbelievable um but uh what was interesting was and i figured you would appreciate this is rick hoffman uh who's an actor i don't know if people are familiar with rick hoffman at home he was in cellular which was a really bad thriller movie but he was like a main actor in that uh but he is most notably lewis lit from suits which everyone and their mother, I think, has seen a little bit of Suits. I don't love Suits. I, I like Suits. It's fine. Lewis Lid is easily the best part of Suits for me. Um, so he, he made a guest appearance on the episode of Billions. And so I don't want to give away too much of the show. Uh, but if you haven't seen Billions, basically one of the main characters played by Paul Giamatti, his father, uh, Chuck Rhodes Sr., 
is older now. He he's he's getting sick, and he's going to need a new kidney. He's a very problematic uh, character in the show. He's my most hated character, I think, in the history of television. I can't stand the fucking guy. I hope he dies any episode. But the plot line of trying to keep him alive is necessary for the show. And so uh, Chuck is the Attorney General, or former Attorney General for the United States. So he's a man in high places. And so Paul Giamatti is trying to find a way to get his dad moved up to the top of the donor list. And he calls in a favor from this guy who owes him a favor. And so this uh, this guy comes in, not Rick Hoffman, uh, comes in with Rick Hoffman, who is this uh, now-retired doctor who's connected to doing mob jobs and things like that. Basically, he can get you a kidney, wink, wink, and put it in himself, wink, wink, and, uh, you know, he's basically... Uh, He's basically Harvey Keitel from Pulp Fiction. He's just the fixer, and it's probably not for good reasons, but he's the fixer, you know? And so, the proposal to get Paul Giamatti's dad this fucking kidney... And this part isn't funny, because this shit actually happens. And that's the problem with Billions, is because it's so connected to reality, despite being a pure fiction show. Some of it is, like, disturbing, because it's like, this shit actually goes on. But his plan was is that it was $5,000 for the meeting and then $38,000 for the kidney. And he hands Chuck a picture of this, like, seven-year-old girl who is willing to sell her kidney because her family's in lockup and doesn't have money to get out and all this shit. And basically, like, this is her way out. She's going to sell an organ so that way her family can be in a better spot. And Chuck, like, immediately, like, is the, is willing to do dirty to get ahead, but even he immediately says, like, I, I can't do that, like, I won't do that, like, that, I need to find the kidney, but we, I'm not getting it this way. So, it skips ahead 20 minutes. Real, uh, Eugene Melnick situation going sure. on Sure. <laughs> uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, we might, might want to talk about that later, too, but, uh, so anyway, um... Flash forward about 15 minutes into the episode and they're at Chuck's apartment. The guys walk in. The the main guy and then Rick Hoffman walks in. And uh, he Rick Hoffman had said, I know you're I knew I know you're gonna call me back. And so he walks in the apartment and he's like, uh, see, they always call. I told you they always call kind of thing, eh? And so they agreed to fees and any and anyway, so Chuck hands him uh, money for the kidney. And then hands him another thirty-eight, an additional thirty-eight thousand dollars to give to the girl to make sure that she gets the money, but keeps her organs, so that way, you know, presumably a somewhat happy ending for the kid at least. And he's like, "But I want, I want this girl untouched. I want her completely untouched. I want all of her organs. She's keeping all of her organs." And Rick Hoffman, again, Lewis Litt, plays an absolute bastard in Billions the other night. Looks at the other guy and says. I have her booked for a spleen job. Do I have to cancel the fucking spleen job now? And the other guy's like, yeah, you have to cancel the spleen job. He's like, fuck's sakes. Spleen guys, nice. So someone was going to buy a spleen on the black market. My point to you, James, is maybe that's something worth looking into. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I have a little bit of scientific background with the spleen. And I can speak to the fact that, um, you know, my own father couldn't give me his mm. so it's, it's an extremely difficult organ yeah. to find a, a match for so well, if you can get one 
kudos. Explains why Rick, go, Hoff- go and get Rick Hoffman was so pissed too. Maybe it's probably charging a hundred thousand dollars for it. But yeah, I figured okay. you'd appreciate the spleen story. Uh, it is fictional mostly, so you know we don't have to be too upset about it. But yeah, it was uh, it was a great episode, and so Billions is done. Now. Also- I got no more shows to watch. Oh, that's too bad, man. I know that they're making, uh, they've made great strides in the artificial spleen world, and, and those mm. are supposed to be coming out soon. I might get uh, myself on the list for one of those, but. <laughs> Did you hear they put a pig heart in a guy last year? Oh, yeah? Well, he didn't live. Oh. But it's just cool <laughs> they're trying shit like that, you know? Ah, <laughs> uh, love it. Ricky Bobby. Um, oh, speaking of Ricky Bobby, I watched NASCAR the other day, too, because that's how, uh, that's how bored I am now. That's where you're coming. That's and, that and Korean baseball. Okay, so so I used to like NASCAR when I was a kid, and I've I've since like I have a I have a pretty good knowledge of the sport, I would say, um, but I don't regularly watch anymore. I haven't watched a complete NASCAR race since I was probably like 14 or 15 years old. Um, but I figured the other night, I'm like, what the hell? Like, there's nothing going on. There was nothing for me to watch. I turn it on. It's supposed to be the last, like, 20 laps-ish. I turn it on, and it's, like, lap 5 of 267, because at Homestead, there was a fucking two-hour rain delay. I'm like, oh, I get to watch the whole race. They do about 20 laps, and they have to fucking call the race again, because uh, there was more lightning. So I watched NASCAR for about 45 minutes and only saw 20 laps. And I was like, this is barely exciting on a good race. And uh, basically just watching Jeff Gordon and, and Mike Joy talk about the weather delays. Jeff Gordon, hey, he's, he's in the booth now. He's in the booth. He's, he, seems, he, seems, he seems good. I can't attest to whether or not everything he's saying is accurate because, again, I uh, haven't paid attention to the fucking sport in, like, 12 years. So, but Is, is Jeff Gordon, like, the NASCAR driver in your opinion? I think so. Yeah, I think he's so, like the Michael Jordan of NASCAR. See, here's the thing. Well, but yeah, I mean, he is like that comparison's good because I don't know if he really is for sure the best racer, but he definitely uh, had the best team and the most tools to work with, and is the most commercially successful. I would say. So, uh, yeah, I would say he's the biggest household name. Whether or not he's the best, uh, there's probably a debate. But okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get it's weird because I get the notifications like from the score or whatever, and they'll be like, "Denny Hamlin wins the NASCAR, or whatever." And I'm like, "Didn't they just race two days ago?" Yeah. And apparently they're racing like three times a week, which yeah. is kind of insane. But yeah, it's crazy. They banned the uh, appearances of the Confederate flag at their fucking events, and then I watched my first uh, NASCAR race in 12 years. It's funny how that fucking lines up. Crazy. No kidding. Crazy. Um, so like I said off the top. We're, we're inching closer to hockey returning, which, as June goes on, sounds weirder and weirder to say out loud each time I, I do. Uh, but uh, the NHL has kind of come out. They've, they've set a, a tentative date for Phase 3, they're calling it, and, and that's July 10th. So in, in a little less than a month, uh, the league is looking to uh, begin... Uh, phase three that's going to involve training camps um i know the big question i had and i don't know if you can answer this because i couldn't find it anywhere Mm -hmm. uh but they they set the date july 10th for training camps to open tentative um is everyone just going to their own city for training camps like or or, like i don't know if i missed this or like was the plan for them to go to the hub cities that they're going to be playing in and have training camp there to me it makes it makes almost no sense to like send 
31 teams worth of players to 31 different cities to do training camp and then get together because that's just you know a recipe yeah. for disaster in my mind um the situation is going to be different for pretty much every team um there is no guarantees that there's going to be third or sorry 24 different training camp cities um teams are right now scouting to do their training camp in a place where it makes sense for them so uh what i mean by that is you know for example let's say the vegas golden knights are all just going to go to vegas and do it in vegas um which i'm not saying they are but let's say they do that but the edmonton oilers might be doing theirs in fucking you know norfolk or you know, like Kansas City or some Norfolk. shit. Like they're they're gonna do it wherever it makes sense to uh, get their um, get a facility that is safe that makes sense for them that they can use. They're gonna go somewhere where uh, they can get a large percentage of their players is another thing, right? And right now, the easiest country to travel to is uh, the United States, um, just because despite the fact that Canada is the largest producer of NHL players um, the the majority of NHL players have American citizenship right so that makes things a lot easier for them um, because even if you're playing for a Canadian team a lot of guys who are currently playing for Canadian teams uh, either grew up in the states or have played in the states right so um, there's a decent chance that a lot of these teams are going north of our border for this uh, doesn't mean that there aren't going to be teams doing their training camp in Canada, in the cities that they actually play in, or even in different cities. But it does look like there's going to be a lot of them uh, going to the States, and where it's going to be in the States, it's hard to say. Yeah, But it, it's going to vary team to team. I wouldn't really say that any two teams are really in the same boat. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, because like I said, like I, it didn't make a lot of sense for all these guys to kind of scatter across you know the country and then relocate after that um especially when they still have at this point not picked their two hub cities like it, it sounds yeah. more and more each day like vegas is going to be one well um and another thing is too is like you know because i've seen this mentioned online is like well why don't why doesn't everyone just do their training camp in the hub cities and it's like i don't think people understand how much more difficult it is to host a training camp for 12 teams than it is to host games for 12 teams and host like you're those are way different things like for for them all like you're talking six games or six series hosted in your city if you alternate days you use one rink if 12 teams need a training camp that's 12 rinks 12 facilities 12 like you know they're not going to be using the same facilities as other teams usually so um you know it, it becomes really really difficult in that sense so uh, yeah it's it's uh it seems like a big waste to be honest with you but that's the reality is they're gonna have to do it uh in a lot of different cities in a lot of different cases you might be able to host a couple teams uh, at one rink that's it's probably the most though mm-hmm mm-hmm um but yeah, uh, going back to it, like you know, the the two hub cities, Vegas, sounds like they're getting approved. Like I, I don't know, all all signals seem to indicate that they're going to be one of the two cities. Yeah, I know we kind of touched on that last week. Um, 
I don't love it. I know I don't think you love it either. It's well, I mean, it, it's hard to say what Vegas's shape is going to be a month from now. But um, speaking in terms of coronavirus, I don't really understand how that makes sense, other than they have a lot of major hotels, I guess. Yeah. No, it's all these other cities have hotels. <laughs> oh, exactly. And, and they all do. Like it's, that's that's part of it. Like you need those resources within a city, but it's like every every city should, especially those ten. They're on the list for a reason. Like I'm assuming they all meet the criteria to make that first initial list. So after the after that, in my mind, it should just be a matter of, well, what is the safest option? What is the you know, best option in terms of the coronavirus, because to say that Vegas is a better pick because they have a bunch of hotels, well, sure, but didn't Columbus make the list for the same reasons? They have a bunch Ve- of hotels. Vegas does have the top facilities, probably, but it's just a, it's just, that's, that's almost a second, like, that's almost not the most, imp- well, it's not the most important thing, really. I, it, it's hard to say, like, there's a reason why they said they weren't going to announce it for a while. There's no real strength to announce it for another couple of weeks because they really should just wait and see um, what happens and, and kind of take it from there. So uh, if they pick Vegas, they pick Vegas, but they, they've got to have a good reason to do so other than um, other than the fact that it's Las Vegas and it's good for the league or something like that. Like, like the whole thing with all this is, uh, you know, like even Jim, Ma- Jim Matheson, who's... Uh, I still can't tell if Jim Matheson is a real person or if that is a parody uh, Twitter account. Like, I genuinely don't even know if that's a real fucking guy or not. Um, but regardless, he, he is uh, supposedly a hockey writer uh, who supposedly has a real confirmed Twitter account uh, that actually got hacked this week, which was fucking hilarious. And um, he tweeted out something before he got hacked that, um, you know, it's classic NHL. They're going to... Uh, put Toronto as one of the hub cities when Edmonton's just as good and all this shit and and like dude like there are league offices in Toronto and there are none in Edmonton there are zero fucking NHL offices in Edmonton so that's why it's gonna be in fucking Toronto if they have the pick of the cities that they can choose like Toronto's definitely getting it but like if you're insulted that Edmonton's not getting it this isn't uh I don't know if you know Jim like uh people aren't going to the fucking games at least not the first little bit and when they do you're not going to be making any money because no one's coming from out of town to cut like this isn't going to help the economy much so what the fuck do you care if it's in edmonton or not it's just at the end of the day all this is going to be for like 99 percent of hockey fans is when they turn on the games there's going to be a little graphic that says oilers versus uh uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and then below it, it's going to be Las Vegas, Nevada, and and the arena name, and then that like, that's literally all this is going to mean to any of us is is what the name of the city is on the graphic, and how the lighting looks when we're watching the games on TV. That is the only fucking differences here. Who gives a shit where they play the fucking games? No, that's just it. You know, like it really doesn't matter um, as long as they're taking the safe route the safest route yeah. i guess i should say because there really isn't a safe route at this point but no. um vegas it just seems odd like the numbers don't don't look great um it's a it's an attraction city like it's it's known for bringing people to its city to make a yeah a living of its own economy 
So as things progress and things start to open as we go deeper and deeper into the summer, it's only going to get worse in my opinion, so it, it makes no sense. You talked briefly about the little split between the idea of Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver's also in the mix. They're one of the ten cities. Um, interestingly enough, today, Justin Trudeau, he came out and he announced that uh, he's kind of come back on his stance that he had earlier uh, about a month ago where he said that you know, uh, any any teams entering Canada would have to quarantine for two weeks. The NHL didn't like that. They didn't push back. You know, they, they kind of seemed to respect the, the process, but uh, they kind of said we, we weren't going to entertain that as an option if that's the case. Today, the Prime Minister has come out and he said that um, with, you know, the local uh, medical, you know, professionals giving their blessing, he would be willing to waive that two-week quarantine period yeah. um, to see one of these cities get a, a chance to host. Um, you touched on it a little bit. I'll just kind of reiterate. It, it's Toronto or bust, I would assume, right? Like, if, especially if they're going Vegas. Like, they're not yeah. going to put two cities out, of, you know, in the Pacific time zones. Well, like I, uh, like I said, um, time is just relative for all this. So there's nothing really saying that um, you know, they can't do Vegas and Vancouver and just, unfortunately, everyone in Vancouver, like, you know, you might have a game starting at 8 o'clock in the morning, so that way it can be on TV at 11 in the morning in the Eastern time zone. Like, who gives a shit? Like, it, do it doesn't make a difference if nobody's going to the games. All that matters when they schedule the time of games is, A, are people who live in this city going to be able to get off of work to go to this game? And more importantly, B, if it's on at 11 o'clock in the morning, is anyone going to watch it on TV? The first problem isn't a problem because no one's going to be at the games. The second thing isn't a problem because presumably uh, nobody is at work right now. And regardless, they're not... Like, regardless, like if they if they didn't want to scatter the games, they need to do more... Hard, like, they more, need to do more hub cities. But they have to scatter the games if they're doing one hub city, one rink. So, there is no other option. Like, if you're going to scatter the games, just scatter them so that way you get more TV ratings out of it. Smartest way to do that is a game starts at 11, a game starts at 1, a game starts at 3, a game starts at 5, 7, 9, boom, and you work your way up. So, at the end of the day, like, you know, if it's 8 o'clock in Vancouver, it's going to be on these guys to uh, climatize themselves to the, to the time zone, to be quite honest with you, is the way I see it. I don't really see any good reason why not because uh, the only excuse would be are people going to go and are people going to watch it and right now they don't really have a say in either option they kind of are just going to have to do this the best way they can and the best way they can is going to be to scatter the fucking games at one rink throughout the day I, I think where I come down on it a little differently than yourself is um, I, I agree with you like if you have to acclimatize yourself to play a hockey game at a a time that you don't normally play a hockey game, that's fine. Like, that's part of the deal at this point. Uh, there's no one going to the games, you're right. There's no one really, for the most part, that has to worry about going to work and, and missing out on the games. Where 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 I kind of see the argument is uh, it's, it's more of a union issue, but it also plays to the NHL's benefit in the sense that if you can have one game in Toronto start at 11 a.m. Eastern, and you have a game in Vegas start at 11 a.m. Pacific, 
the players are all going into the same kind of scenario on level ground where you know theoretically no one's having to wake up any earlier regardless of if they've acclimatized where everyone's playing their games well, at 11 a.m. Sure. And the NHL gets to put one game on at 11. When that game ends, the game in Vegas, right on schedule. And those players are playing at the exact same time, and that game's starting roughly at the same time that that first game's ending. Sure. And then you can get the next guys on. And in that regard, they can kind of go back and forth all day yes. long of course, to an of Eastern course. time zone. Of course it's ideal, but they can't just pick a city because they're in a fucking better... like a. A better time oh, zone. Of course, that, that's yeah. just insane. Of course, because the easy fix around like you're you're saying my like a flaw in my issue, yeah, different team starts at fucking eleven every day. Like no team's gonna be playing the fucking late game all five of their games. Like you're gonna start at different fucking times the whole time, and that's just gonna be the way it is. It's not ideal, but this none of this is ideal. Like obviously, if they can pick a western and, a, and an eastern city, I do agree that is the easiest solution, but if Vegas and Vancouver are the best two options, then then go Vegas and fucking Vancouver. So, uh, to your point, uh, Toronto and Vegas, sure, uh, definitely makes sense. Seems odd to pick two of the three cities where coronavirus is the biggest problem out of the hub city options right now, but uh, if that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. And, and that's just it. They're going to do what they're going to do, and it's probably not going to be the right answer, yeah. but... should probably be, like, fucking Vancouver and Columbus, like I already said, but... should probably be, like, Forks, North, North Dakota, yeah. and Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, or something. Ooh, almost, it's almost like they just shouldn't be playing at all. Or that. Um... Yeah, speaking of not playing, uh, the Buffalo Sabres did a, did a few things today. Um... <laughs> likely in response to not playing hockey, playoff hockey, once again for, what is this, the seventh straight season that they've missed the playoffs now? Nine? Nine. Jesus. Well, Remember when the missed the playoffs for nine years? I can't even say that it's, it might be more than, it actually might be more than nine. Uh, I just know that this is the ninth season under the Pagula ownership and this is, they've missed the playoffs every year under the Pagulas, so fuck a wild time to be a buffalo saber fan like yeah like re- are there any left really flying under the radar just because a team in their division has been a tire fire for a couple years and for sure like the senators still have the worst ownership in the in the league but um like that that's one thing like even with everything going on with edmonton over the last few years and um florida and arizona and the islanders like all the teams i just named do have ownership groups that 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 not just care but care about winning they're just maybe making some flawed decisions right and 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 i wouldn't even say that about the panthers the panthers are are swinging for the fences there's just no one just playing a in a swamp (laughs) so like you know it, it it all makes sense there but it's just like the sabers are almost like they try to do some, something one way and, and it doesn't work and then they fire someone and and then they just keep like they've been trying to do the same thing for nine years they've been coming out of the other end of the rebuild for nine years like before they had Jack Eichel they thought that they had good players on the roster and and when I say good players we're talking about like Tyler Ennis and end of his career 
Ryan Miller and you know what I mean like I'm not we're not talking about like superstar players here they thought they were doing well so what do they do they they are horrible one year they draft this good player they're horrible another year they draft this good player and they think they're done now and it, the, the problem is is they have 18 other guys on that roster that are dog shit for the most part maybe not 18 we'll go we'll go 13 okay 13 guys on that roster that might not even fucking make half the teams in their division you know what I mean yeah. playing 18 minutes a night yeah. it, they have been an absolute fucking disaster uh just prog- and getting progressively worse under the pagulas and it's um you know like like everything that's going on in ottawa and even right now like like you know I, you know we haven't talked about it yet but the whole thing with eugene melnick and his fucking possibly stealing money from the sens foundation or whatever is going on there uh like like it's honestly kind of comparable to Buffalo because Buffalo, I also don't, I don't see how this is going to get any better. There's no reason to believe that this team is going to get any better. So, so today, three three weeks to the day after uh, Terry Pagula comes out and gives GM Jason Botterill a, a public vote of confidence, um, uh, GM Jason Botterill was fired. Uh, nothing happened in those three weeks, like in terms of. You know the business side of things, where you know he fucked a draft up, or you know he missed the playoffs now as opposed to three weeks ago. Nothing changed. So, uh, aside from something taking place behind closed doors, this seems like a very odd move yeah. in that regard. Uh, gone with Botterill are his uh, two assistant general managers, Steve Greenlee and Randy Sexton. A few hours later. Uh, it's announced that the Sabres were cleaning house on the AHL uh, Rochester Americans with uh, uh, the firing of uh, the GM um, Chris Taylor. Sorry, Chris Taylor's the head coach. Uh, Randy Sexton, I guess, was running the uh, yeah. the American Hockey yeah. League uh, team for them. The assistant scored Deneen Toby Peterson. They're both out. The director of amateur scouting Ryan Janikowski, he's out. A whole department of amateur yeah, scouts, like pretty out much the door. cleaned out the fucking scouting staff. Like this, this feels like 20, 2015 Brennan Shanahan when he showed up and he's like, you know what, you, 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 you sure. take everything, grab everything, you're out the door. Except that was one time. The Sabers have done this like three times now under Pagula at least. Uh, six head coaches, four team presidents, three general managers I, in the Pagula era. I know for sure. I can't think of specifically what the year it happened was, but I know for sure they did e- basically the same thing when they fired Tim Murray. Like when Tim Murray lost right. his job, yeah. they which I, 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 honestly, I'm, I'm not really going to sit here and say Tim Murray did a great job. I, I don't really know how Tim Murray hasn't gotten another shot, but. Um, Regardless, like, I know they fucking cleaned house when they fired him, too. Which, like, at the time, it was like, okay, aggressive, but you gotta do something. Right now, it's like, aggressive, you gotta do something, but the something you should probably do is sell the team, unfortunately. Because, um, I think it's entirely possible that they end up, maybe not losing money, but they might not make any money off of this team in the long run, as business people. I know they want to you know, insert themselves in, in, uh, the city of Buffalo as these prominent business people. And they, and they kind of are, 
but Buffalo is a hockey city, and if you ruin their hockey team, they're not really going to give a shit how much other stuff you do for the community quite as much. Um, you know, and, like, it's it's just the fact of the matter. Like, the the NHL at this point is a, is a more uh, reputable and more profitable and, like, followed more intensely league than the NWHL. So, you know, like, sure, they've done a good job with the Buffalo Buttes. Have they been the one doing the good job with the Buffalo Buttes? Like, really? You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, uh, just because they're doing a good job running one hockey team doesn't mean that they know how to run the other because they are very much different leagues, different situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done a, a, a fucking shit job at running the Sabres, quite frankly. It's, it's, uh, it was a questionable hiring when it, or questionable uh, ownership change when it happened. But they needed to change owners, and, and we thought this was going to be better than where they were, and I don't really know that it is. Oh, for sure. Uh, stepping in to replace Bodrill is former NHLer Kevin Adams. Um, most notably, he has served as a player agent following his NHL career, um, won a cup with the Hurricanes as part of their front office uh, staff in 2006, and he was serving as the senior vice president of business administration with the Buffalo Sabres. Not exactly a front office type of guy. Well, um, zero experience um, at this level, uh, at any level, in terms of like running, you know, a team. So very interesting to see. Like, like don't get me wrong. I, I wish the guy, you know, all the best. I, I wish this franchise. I fucking hated the Buffalo Sabres for a, a well, long, long time. Yeah. At this point. It's like the Ottawa Senators for me. Like, I just feel bad for yeah. these fan bases. And it's like, I just want these teams part, to, like, kind of turn it around. Part of part of sports is, like, I've made the argument, and obviously ironic being a Patriots fan, but, like, I, I don't like seeing the same teams win all the time. It's part of the thing that drives me nuts about the NBA is the fucking... Uh, this year is the first year in, uh, in probably 13 years I have no idea who's going to win the NBA title this year. I have no idea. It's a very predictable league. Um, I don't like seeing the same teams be good all the time. I also hate seeing the same teams be bad all the time. It's part of the reason I hate the fucking Cleveland Browns. I hate the Florida Panthers. And I'm starting to hate the Buffalo Sabres. Because I'm just... I'm getting sick of watching these losing cultures. Because in the same way that winning teams make a mockery of uh, parody and make a mockery of a sport sometimes, so do these losing teams. You know what I mean? Because it's not like we have a 31-team league in the NHL. It's kind of like there's 28 or 29, and there's a couple teams, specifically in the fucking Atlantic Division, that are hauling down the rest of the fucking league because of their ownership. And what this move reminds me of is I'm not saying Kevin Adams is the wrong guy. I have no reason to believe he's the right guy. Literally none. Um, you know, But we bitch all the time on the podcast about how give someone new a shot, give someone new a shot. So I'm happy that they're giving someone new a shot. The problem is that there's no reasonable... Like, this guy was not... This guy wouldn't get an interview for a general manager job with most teams. And there needs to be some sort of a level of like, okay, this guy looks like he can run an NHL team. It's like, you wouldn't wouldn't elect a 21-year-old president. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I need to see that they kind of get it a little bit. You know what I mean? There needs to be some sort of experience and track record. So it's the same thing, like, here with Kevin Adams. It's just like, yeah, he's done stuff in hockey, but, like, 
none of that leads me to believe that he's capable of running an NHL team. And I would say an NHL team whose back is against the wall in terms of trying to turn it around uh, more than most teams. Like they're 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 kind of fucked. Like I don't know I don't know what to tell you. If you're a Sabres fan, like I told you a year ago, you have one of the worst contracts in the league in Jeff Skinner. You do. Because at best, he's going to get you 60 points. And it's he's getting paid much more than he should be getting fucking paid. So is Kevin Adams the guy to figure out how to handle Jeff Skinner's contract? Is is he the guy to figure out when's the right time to move on from Casey Middlestad? When's the right time to move on from uh, Sam Reinhardt? If, if, like, he's good, but, you know... Is he as good as he should be he's playing? Not third where overall he's playing? Good. No, exactly. So he is the best of the Reinhardt brothers. But um Yeah, it's just like I don't know. They they have Dalene, they have Eichel, they have these pieces, but it's just like I don't I just I don't really know how they go so off the board, but it's from within their own organization. Like it's not even like they pluck this guy away from another team well, that's, before that's just it. Like, like this is just a guy who I, I'm not like this is my circular argument here it reminded me of when the senators named Pierre Dorian the general manager and a few months later we heard him talk and saw some of his moves and we're like oh this is just the only guy that wouldn't tell Eugene Melnick to go fuck himself left from the Murray years mm-hmm. and it's the same thing here like I think Kevin Adams is just the only guy that's or the highest up guy that's being like yep no you're right Kim and Terry or Terry, I forget, I fucking Pagula, whatever his name is. Yeah, like, he's the first guy that they could find that is like capable of you know answering his cell phone, but will also do what they tell him to do. Yeah, no, I, like hire hire someone new, hire someone new. Well, don't hire someone new if it's the janitor that you're gonna hire. Like, <laughs> whenever we talk about like hiring someone new, it's kind of like it's to be implied, and maybe I have to spell it out for the Buffalo Sabers. Um, like, go get the guy running, like, the Regina Pats or the University of North Dakota. Like, those people are the new people that have experience at the lower level. Like, a guy that runs your business department doesn't have experience running a front office of an NHL team. He just happens to work for the organization in a completely different field. Like... It doesn't make him the best qualified because he already works for you and he's kind of higher up in the chain of you know order. Go get the the rookie guy that's coaching in the BCHL and give him a shot because he's done that job well and he's new to the NHL. He's not just the recycled old boys club that we, we keep talking about. So I, I don't know, like... Again, like I, I wish Kevin Adams the best. I don't expect much. No. Like it's, I don't think it's going to go this, well. This very much read like a decision where uh, Jason and the Pagulas had a conversation toward of the toward the end of last week that didn't go well, and the Pagulas went home and talked about it all weekend, and then they decided last night that they were going to make a change today, and they weren't really worried about the other part of that sentence. What is the change? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they figured out who they were, what they were going to do, and who they were going to move out, but not who they were moving in. And it did. It just seems like a really rushed hiring. Like, like you said, I, I hope uh, that it is the right decision because, uh, as much as I hate Buffalo Sabers fans, um, I again, I just it drives me nuts watching teams be the fucking laughing stock and the punching bag of the league. And it's uh, you know, there's um, like I said, enough in that division too, where it's just kind of hilarious. So, no, a, a few comments that I saw. Um, 
that pertain to this that give me a little bit of hope are um, that the Pagulas and Baudrill, according to Frank Cervelli, had a series of meetings regarding the focus on restructuring the, the, the team and that after the firing was made, Terry Pagula came out today and he said that we're going to get leaner. So they're going to shed some of that excess muscle, some of that excess uh, size, oh. and maybe go in a direction more fitted to the speed of today's game. That that's a that's a plus. Like yeah, in, in my eyes, that's okay. the way to go. So, and I'm not even joking about this. Like, like the, this is why, like you know, uh, I'm maybe 99 percent of the time informed, and sometimes I'm definitely not. When I read that comment, James, I legit thought they meant payroll. I didn't think that they actually meant on the ice. When they said they wanted efficiency and all this shit, I thought they literally, that was their way of saying, like, yeah, we're just looking to spend less money on the team. <laughs> and that might be it. it it's hard to say. Oh, no, I'm, um, you know, I just don't want to give them too much credit here, you know? Yeah. And, and the, other, the other credit that I'll give them is uh, Kevin Adams, uh, when approached uh, this afternoon, was quoted as saying that, uh, he, he kind of talked about the type of team that he wanted to, you know, envision on the ice. And one of his comments was that they really missed out when they didn't draft Mitch Marner. So it's it's kind of wild to hear that because that would be the year of the Jack Eichel draft. And I don't know if anyone today would take Marner over Eichel. No. But just the idea that Kevin Adams is speaking to that type of... That's the type of player that he admires, right? Sure. The, the Mitch Marner, the, the shifty, speedy... You know, smaller sized guys as opposed to the typical six foot two yeah. centerman that is supposed to be built. You know, yeah, team around. Which so. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, say they go Marner instead of Eichel. Like, obviously, obviously that would have been a mistake. But perhaps they would have gone a different route over Sam Reinhardt because Sam Reinhardt right. is not fast, and you know, my, my Sam Reinhardt was picked basically with the thought that he was going to be this player that almost had never existed in NHL history before. A winger that I would essentially say would have been Mark Stone, but a better playmaker. Like, that's what they thought Reinhardt was going to be. Is Everything, just not a good skater. And that's basically yeah. what Mark Stone is, is he does everything, but not a good skater. So it's like, yeah, maybe they would have gone a different route there, and they would have a more productive player right now. Like, I think the player they passed on to take Reinhardt, if I'm not mistaken, would have been Leon Dreisaitl. So, like, maybe they take Dreisaitl instead of Reinhardt. Yeah. But, you know, if they take Marner over Eichel, like, that's, I mean, that would have been a catastrophic mistake, right? So, it's, 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 it's not, obviously he didn't say that he would have taken Marner over Eichel, but. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting train of thought, though, and, and one that gives me a, a, a shred, a, just a shred of hope that Kevin Adams might have a better idea of what he's doing than I'm giving him credit for, but. I don't know. We'll have to see. Like you can only kick the you know the same dead horse so many times before you have to maybe consider the fact that the horse is dead and you know try something else. Yeah. Because this is all the Pagulas team seem to do. Like they but that's... they bring one guy in and they beat him to death and then they fire him and then they do the exact same thing with the next guy. And, and... that's the thing though is like they like here here is why I'm so skeptical about this is is the the Pagulas are a lot of things but one thing they're not is patient and you're telling me that you're going to hire a guy in the most critical of times in your franchise's history like probably a, like this is the turning point right here this is going to really shape 
this franchise long term. And you're going to hire a guy who has literally no experience calling and making trades. Literally has no experience scouting, like uh, at least not at a, at a level where he's making all the decisions. You know? So, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, I have no... I, 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 any confidence I had left in the Pagulas maybe a year ago is completely gone at this point. Um, I don't, I don't have any, uh, belief that this decision is going to work out for them. Um, I think the road is somehow going to get harder before it gets easier here. And that's the problem. Like the fix is not a quick fix, really. Um, it's not like they have a, a massive amount of bad contracts, but they do have a lot of things anchoring them as a salary cap and, um, that, you know, they're just going to have to work around o- over long term. Since the Pagulas took over on February 18th, 2011, which was the f- date that they formally made the announcement that they were the new owners, um, the Buffalo Sabres, of all, the, of all 31 teams, this is including the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, have averaged 2.4 goals for which since February 18th, 2011 is good for 31st in the NHL. They've averaged 2.99 goals against, which since February 18th, 2011 is good for second most in the NHL. Uh, so, like, you know, they're they're the worst at uh, preventing goals against other than uh, the Edmonton Oilers, and they're tied with the Leafs. And uh, power play, 17.9%, tied for 25th in the NHL. PK, 79.4%, tied for 31st in the NHL. Regulation wins, they have 193, which is good for 30th. Vegas is at 105 already. And their points percentage, uh, 0.449%, 31st in the NHL. They've won 21 less games over that stretch than the Edmonton Oilers. When you think of the amount of times that the Oilers got the first overall pick... Uh, you know, like the Oilers have, were not a good team either. Of course, they lucked themselves into some lotteries that uh, the Sabres did not. But that doesn't really excuse where they're at because the amount of drafting that they've done uh, in the later rounds that have turned into star players is not exactly a high number. The amount of uh, free agent signings that they've made that uh, turned out to be just burnt money, thrown away money that anchored their salary cap like they're I I couldn't look it up because cap friendly was down I would imagine that they're toward the top of the league in wasted dollars uh since that happened as well like think of all the Vili Lino Christian Erhoff uh Kyle Oposo we can say was a horrible free agent signing um you know like the list the list goes on and I just think that their philosophy hasn't changed much they were still basically giving away big contracts as of a year ago and i just don't really see any of this getting better until the pagulas sell the team and i don't think that we're really close to that i honestly think eugene melnick will sell the senators before or get arrested for fraud uh before the pagulas sell the sabers i think you're exactly right like it's gonna be interesting like i'm 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 really curious to see how it goes but i'm just not hopeful i i can't really say that enough no. you know like this this team is getting to, like like uh, let, let me just post something i i don't want to talk about this too much longer uh we've gone on with the buffalo sabers for uh longer than their ownership seems to go with a coach yeah. or a gm so yeah. um but 
we hear all the time this talk about like the Coyotes and the Panthers and to some degree the Islanders once in a while the Hurricanes moving like do you think the Sabres are getting into that territory where like the fans should be just a little worried that they might lose their franchise if the Pagulas decide to up and sell and can't find a local buyer or if they just outright decide you know we're going to move the franchise like is that becoming a reality uh like relocation yeah. Mm, no. Why? Why do you think that would be? Well, like you the, see, the, it... the Pagulas own Buffalo. That's the problem, right? right? They own so, the city. Right. So, so my my point is, is like you lose for so long, and as an owner, you start losing money, and eventually that asset sure. is no longer an asset, and you're going to yeah, either yeah. sell it or you're going to try to make it into an asset. Yeah, and you, those two options could lead to relocation is my point yeah no i i mean i i get that i don't know if it's gonna get that extreme it's it's really hard to say to be honest with you like they just have so much uh they're just so deeply rooted in the city of buffalo right like for them to to make any rash decisions with the sabers they also need to feel the same way about the bills almost like i just i don't think they're going to they're not going to sell one team without selling all of them. And you, you don't think so? I eh? don't think so. I just I don't hmm. Here's the thing is un, as soon as they sell one, they're going to get driven out. I don't know if they're going to get driven out if they own all these teams. It's kind of tough. Yeah. No, oh, that's You're I literally swear, you're literally talking about two of the most psycho uh, fan bases in all of sports, which is the Bills and the Sabers, because they're the same fan base, and uh, these this is a team that will riot if needed. Uh, so we'll see, I guess. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, it's it's it just something that crossed my mind because, like, we've seen Eugene Melnick, for example, talk about it, and Sens fans are passionate; they just can't get to the fucking rink. Uh, so you know, like, eventually, I I think the day comes for every sports for, you know team where. If you've lost money for 15 years, uh, you're going to have that conversation, right? So yeah, I, just, I understand that. something I thought I'm of. not sure they're getting to the point where they would be losing money on the Sabres yet, but they're going to get awfully close now if this... Like, uh, basically, I haven't explicitly said it, but where I think this could be headed is I think they are getting dangerously close to Jack Eichel telling them to fly a fucking kite. And the minute that kid does, they are fucked. This franchise mm-hmm. is fucked. Because uh, I think... I don't know him personally, but I think I've heard enough about Jack Eichel to know that kid will fucking sit out for a full season or more if you don't trade him. He He's not going to fucking play for you. Fuck that. And as soon as that happens, they lose all leverage. They don't get any value for him. And he is one of their two only... Uh, Assets that have more than like a draft pick of value right now. So that's fair. I I genuinely can't name more than seven forwards on the team right now. I'm I've been trying this whole time and I can't. Oh wow, that's fair. They're terrible. Uh, I don't know if I could either. For sure, not not a team I pay a lot of attention no, to. There's no depth there. They traded uh, Evan Rodriguez, so that's one name down. Who they get back? I don't remember. <laughs> Rodriguez and Shiri for something. I. 
couldn't even tell cool. you to be honest. There it is. Okay, yeah, fuck the sabers. I guess that, I now don't know they suck. I, I was thinking too, uh, just to test how hilarious it is that you can't name any sabers right now. Is I'm going to give you a little bit of a quiz to to showcase the hockey knowledge that you do have, James. We're going to play Don't Panic. Um, which, if you're not familiar with the <laughs> uh, the new slogan of the Buffalo Sabers, no shit, don't panic. If you're not familiar with the game, uh, I'll explain it very quickly here. I'm going to play "Don't Pla- Don't Panic" by uh, by Coldplay, and from the time the song starts to the time the song ends, uh, I'm going to ask James to name me. Uh, I- I'm going to name a player. He's going to need to tell me the team that drafted them. He can take as many stabs at the team as he wants, or he can hit pass if he wants. Um, and we're going to see how many he can get in that time frame. I didn't actually say on the podcast what you got last week, and I don't have the number written down. So I'll figure that out later and update you. Disappointing. At a later time. Uh, you did you did fairly well last week, I believe. So uh, Not not the best. Uh, I didn't beat the high, correct? That was like no, 23, you, you definitely were not close. The high is 21. You got, Ooh. I'm going to say roughly 12 or 13 last week. but Okay. Yeah. That's respectable. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay, James. Scott Stevens. Washington Capitals. Yes. Uh, Mike Richards. Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. Bill Guerin. Edmonton Oilers? No. Pass. Lee Stempniak. Toronto Maple Leafs. No, St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues is correct. Nikolai Zherdev. Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes. Braden Coburn. Philadelphia Flyers. No. Chicago Blackhawks. No. Skip. Wade Redden. Uh, Ottawa Senators. No. New York Islanders. Yes. Brian Boyle. Oh, uh, Los Angeles Kings. Yes. Corey Stillman. St. Louis Blues? No. Calgary Flames. Yes. Phil Kessel. Boston Bruins. Yes. Elias Lindholm. Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. Kyle Oposo. New York Islanders. Yes. Kevin Hayes. New York Rangers? No. Skip. Ruslan Saleh. Anaheim Ducks? Yes. Chris Pronger. Hartford Whalers. Yes. Sean Pronger. Uh, Anaheim Ducks. Nope. Skip. Mark Mathot. Ottawa Senators. No. Skip. Uh, Sergei Samsonov. Boston Bruins. Yes. Claude Lemieux. New Jersey Devils. No. Where do you play the quarterback? Skip. Francois Beauchemin. Anaheim Ducks. No. New Jersey Devils? No. Skip. Paul Correa. Anaheim Ducks. Chris Gratton. Tampa Bay Lightning. Chris DiDomenico. <sighs> Skip. <laughs> Joe Newendike. Calgary Flames. At the buzzer, Danny Heatley. Uh, Atlanta Threshers. Yes. Sorry, did you? Uh, who'd you say for Newendike? Flames. Okay, you did get it right. I just uh, 
just blacked out there for a second. Chris uh, Di Domenico. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you you did not pretty good there, guess. James. Um, you got Stevens. You got Richards. So that's two. You did not get Bill Guerin. We were looking for the Devils. Uh, you oh, got okay. Stempniak. You got Jaredev. That's four. We were, uh, you did not get Coburn. We were looking for the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, you got Redden, that's five. Boyle, six. Stillman, seven. Kessel, eight. Uh, Lindholm, nine. Oposo, ten. Saleh, eleven. Pronger, twelve. Uh, you did not get Kevin Hayes. We were looking for the Chicago Blackhawks. What was Sean Pronger? Uh, Sean Pronger uh, was the next one you missed. We were looking for the Vancouver Canucks. No. Oh. Uh, Claude Lemieux you didn't get Montreal Canadiens we were looking for ah, yeah. uh, Mark Mathot was the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, Samsonov you got 13 Beauchemin was the Montreal Canadiens mm. uh, uh, Paul Correa 14 uh, Chris Gratton was 15 Neuendijk was 16 Danny Heatley was 17 so you got 17 Chris Domenico is a former draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs the first such player in uh, in this game, I believe. That's fucked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that. The, that year I was at the World Juniors, I was all amped up about there being a Leaf on the team, and ironically, he was one of their better players that year, but um, did not turn out that yeah, way. Yeah, like, I remember loving Chris Domenico, but, like, I did not realize the Leafs drafted him. Yeah, Chris Domenico, a Toronto Maple Leaf draft pick, I believe was traded... Uh, to Chicago in the uh, Christopher Stieg deal, if I remember correctly, and then that was uh, how the Leafs moved on from him. Don't love that. Mind you, he mm-hmm. didn't really seem to reappear either, so maybe it's for uh, the best. The Maple Leafs traded Didomenico, uh with Victor Stahlberg and Philip Paradis to Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Christopher Stieg and Bill Sweat. Sweet. Sweat. Cool, mm-hmm. as they say. Yeah. Uh... Wow. Okay, well, uh, moving on, uh, we kind of talked about the NHL coming back. July 10th, training camp supposed to open, Phase 3, all that jazz. Um, however, one player kind of appeared in the news the last 48 hours or so, saying that first he wasn't going to come back, and then maybe he was going to come back, and it's kind of confusing in terms of what he's actually going to do. But uh, Roman Polak... Uh, he seems to be struggling with the idea about returning to the Dallas Stars. Um, uh, he, he, he initially came out and said he wouldn't be back, um, not only to uh, this season, but uh, moving forward, that he had signed an actual contract in the Czech Republic uh, for next season. Um, but kind of backpedaled on that uh, the next day, uh, late last night, saying that he would be back for the playoffs um, should they resume and, you know, that the Dallas Stars are playing in them. Like, I, uh, he, he, he touched on the fact, Roman, Roman Polak uh, touched on the fact that he's not really in the lineup necessarily. Uh, the mm-hmm. Dallas Stars um, having you know, a fairly deep defense uh, at the moment in terms of, you know, who's going to make that, that top six. So he's not confident that he's going to be one of those guys, and, and this might... Um, it's believed to be one of the reasons that he wouldn't want to just come back from the Czech Republic to Dallas or, sorry, wherever the hub city is, I should say, and just sit on the press box. Yeah. Which is a a fair argument. Like, you know, I don't know anyone that would want to do that. It's very difficult to ask a guy who is currently overseas um, to come back uh, to play for... Sorry, to, to... 
basically sit in a hotel room as a member of a team, not play on the ice, uh, maybe win a Stanley Cup that people are going to tell you that uh, you debatably didn't win a Stanley Cup, and also you can't even say that you played during it, possibly. Like, for a it, team it, that you're not going to play for next year. Exactly, for a team that you're not going to play for next year. Um, it, it, it perhaps makes the decision a little bit easier for Polak, knowing that I don't know that he was going to get much of an opportunity next year anywhere. He's kind of on the outside looking in of an NHL job at this point now. Um, if he did go somewhere, he kind of probably would have been playing similar minutes to what he's playing now, which is sort of unfortunate. Um, it's just, it, it, you know, the guy's broken down because of injuries. It's not really... Um, it's not really his fault or anything like that. He had a gruesome injury. He's never really gotten back to speed from where he was, and he wasn't a great skater to begin with. So um, he's unfortunately too slow, too slow for the game right now, and uh, the Dallas Stars didn't know if Stephen Johns was ever going to play an NHL game again, and Stephen Johns is ready to is back and was playing before the break and is ready to go when they come back. So um, it just doesn't make sense for him or his family for him to come back to the States to risk it all, uh, to probably not play for a team that probably won't win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's just it. Like, you, you go down the list of guys that they have back there, and, and Polak is probably that seventh guy. Now, now the thing is, is, like, this is uncharted territory. Like, we could start playing these guys. This is not a situation that they're used to. You could have a couple guys go down with injuries right away. And that's not to say that Roman Polak's going to step in and, and not get hurt. But, you know, if, if a team is paying you to do a job and they're counting on you and and all of a sudden they need you, like, in theory, you should be ready to go and you should be, you know, at your job and, you know, on time and, and everything that goes with it. But it's a it's a tough decision it's a it's a unique circumstance that we're dealing with with uh, the pandemic and um you're right like to come all the way back here to not do anything potentially that's going to be tough like to leave your family and everything like that behind like it's i get the argument it's just uh uh on the other side of it like what actions follow like do the dallas stars have a case to not pay this guy his money if, if he doesn't come back. Sure. Because he could cite, he could cite think, the pandemic as a reason, right? I think that's part of what he meant, too, when he said that if he has to come back, he will, but he'd like to avoid it if it's possible. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he does come back still, but he basically just said, I don't I don't really want to, and if I don't have to, I'm not going to. Yeah. And um, I think that, that the reason I... I I love it so much is just because I know there's no way that he's not that he's the only guy that's uncomfortable with this notion there has to be a couple more NHL players specifically European guys or or maybe even Canadians that don't want to re-enter the US or vice versa uh, guys that are just uncomfortable with this idea that if a second wave happens or if or if all hell breaks loose and everyone gets sick uh, during this NHL thing, like, I just don't want to be a part of it kind of thing. And it's easier for him, like I said, because he's not playing a crucial role because he knows, um, you know, his his teammates, especially Dallas, because I think 
the stars have a really good group of guys for the most part as far as players and coaches it's just a lot of really good guys in that room i think um i don't think they're gonna blame him either i think it's i think they completely understand it's just is a situation where he he even said like you know if, if he were playing for his job that'd be one thing but it's the idea that before the break like rick bonus told him and sekera i'm alternating you guys out each game and so he basically said, like, it doesn't matter if I have the game of my life. I'm not playing the next game. And, like, just for him, he said it was hard to find any motivation because of that. And, um, yeah, I, I completely get it. I, I, I would do the same thing. I give him a lot of credit. I I really don't think I would come back if I were a player. I just think there's too many risks. It's hard to say. You know, like... Uh... This is a guy, like, he, he's never won a Stanley Cup. This is a guy who was within a game from winning a Stanley Cup, though. Like, this is a guy who went to a Cup final. He, like, he, he's been there. He's been on, on some, some runs. Like, you know, he's been to the second round a few times. He, he knows what it takes, and um, I just don't... I think he knows he just doesn't have it in him, given the circumstances. Quite possibly. Like, like I said, it's, it's hard to say, like... I don't know. Each each player is going to have a different set of circumstances. Like you know, with with this mushy middle that the NHL's got us in, where it's not the playoffs, but it's not the regular season. There's a lot to be determined in terms of pay for these players, because you know we all know that NHL players don't get paid for the playoffs. Their their contract is for the season. Well, the season ended early, so this play-in round does this part of their contractual obligations in terms of them making money does Roman Polak need that money you know what I mean like I don't I don't know his situation like he might be one of those guys that can't afford to you know lose out on thirty forty thousand dollars if if this all kind of falls mm -hmm. apart on him so there, there may be that type of incentive for him to come back um it, it's it's hard to say like I, I don't fault him like I said I agree with you like it's it's a decision that I I would hate to be put in and it would be very difficult to you know justify both going and not going um so you're right though it's it's how many other guys are there out there that are in the same situation um on the outside looking in and yeah it's it's a chance it's a chance at the cup and you hear all the time that these hockey players like that's that's all that matters and roman polak coming out and saying that you know what other things matter to him so yeah have to see yeah. where that goes i yeah i i i would be shocked if he is the only player to do that there there's yeah. going to be someone else um you know we've talked about guys that have ills and illnesses and family members that have illnesses like you know nick felino's daughter isn't well i don't think and um, max domi has diabetes and it's just a matter of um does it make sense for a lot of these guys you know even even like i don't even know for sure uh like is phil kessel 100 percent healthy like i know he he was sick before is he at exposed risk with all this like i, I don't know so there's going to be other guys that are probably consulting with their doctors and um might make the decision not to come back so yeah it's hard to say the NHL awards are something that has to be decided, mm. uh, at least some of them, moving forward. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, and we know that 
certain members of the Professional Writers Hockey Association have received their ballots uh, for voting on the outstanding, um, you know, vacancies of those you know, awards, I guess. You know my favorite thing about the NHL awards here? Like, it's not, it's not like I don't like the NHL awards, okay? Like, I do like NHL awards. I legit get more pleasure when the ballots get released out of not just looking at, like, all the votes that got cast. My favorite thing is all the ballots that got thrown out because a writer filled it out fucking wrong. I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but, like, and it's public record. Like, I was looking at it, and it's like, last year on the All-Star team, Ray Ferraro picked two left-wingers. They threw out his ballot, and it's like... (laughs) It's like... I love reading it because, like, Craig Simpson uh, picked six defensemen instead of five. So his ballot got thrown out, and I just, I get more pleasure out of that than anything with the NHL awards. I realize that that uh, is not the best way to tell everyone that we're going to talk about the NHL awards right now, but. It's amusing. It's very NHL. It's, it's very funny. on-brand. It's yeah. funny, too, because it's like every every so often it's like guys that you think have their shit together. You know what I mean? Like right. I said, like Ray Ferraro fucked up last year. Like, uh, I'm trying to think. There was someone big one year that just, like, I don't, I don't know if it was Bob McKenzie. But it was like a senior writer somewhere fucked it up. Like maybe Frank Saravalli or something, but anyway. I could see Frank fucking up, but... He's a, he's a young guy. Contrary to yeah. popular belief, he's only like 32, so... He chooses that hair color. My favorite um, my favorite Twitter poll I've ever seen was a picture of Frank Saravalli and fucking Darren Dreger of all guys tweets it out. What... What age bracket is this guy in? 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s? Or, I think it was, yeah, it's 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. And 50s won, and he was like, it was like the next tweet was like, Happy 28th birthday, Frank. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. And I look it up, and he's 28. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, like we thought we, that we would do our award ballots... I don't know if this is early because we don't know when they're going to vote. Actually, like that's another thing. Like, like I, I just mentioned the whole idea about what the well, NHL is calling. This they're currently round. voting. They're currently they? vo- They're okay. currently voting. Uh, I just I don't know when the ballots are due. I have to look, but I know, I know, like the majority of NHL writers have casted their vote at this point. It'll be due before the playing round, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Like I, I, okay. I don't know if they made the due date public this year, um, but I know. Uh, oh, actually, it was it was yesterday, so the all the votes have been cast. Oh fuck, we're late. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It gives us a year to, I guess, get the ballot um, format down pat, so we don't uh, get our votes canceled out. Surprisingly enough, we were not part of the uh, PHWA uh, voting process. We don't have that membership yet. The people who do and don't is, like, hilarious, though. Like, there are guys who are, like, like unverified writers that write for, like, a private website that have a vote, but it's also, like, like fucking actual members of the PHWA don't get votes sometimes. Like, it's just weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't get how it works, but I know I don't. I haven't been contacted yet. It's like relegation. You fuck up, and you you get like someone else takes your spot from the yeah. next year. You got to wait till someone else fucks up to get I back think, in. Yeah. I think they gave two hundred and five people ballots last year, and a hundred and ninety two of them sent them in, and like a hundred and eighty three of them were were cast, kind of thing. They had to throw hmm. out like nine of them. Well, they won't be throwing out any of these because they don't really count. But uh, no. ours, well, we're gonna break down for you. 
Yeah, we can just throw them out at any time you want. Yeah, um, I don't know which award you'd like to start with. I'll but, just pick, uh, pick a, whatever whatever uh, makes the most sense. Whatever you figure is award chrono- chronological order is fine. I'll, I'll just go with the order that I have on my computer here, because I think it's a fair order in terms of, like, fair good order. ones for last, but also some in- intriguing ones later on. And, sure, that's great. Um, so we'll start with the Vesna. Okay, that's actually now, the first award I have. There you go. Now, cool. do you have, like, a full-on, like... Like top three, or do you just have like one guy? Three. Oh yeah, okay. I, I I do three. Uh, technically, you're supposed to do five, but again, I right. don't. I don't get a PHWA vote. Um, so my 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 number one is Connor Hellebuck. Uh, my number two is Tuka Rask. I think they are the runaway two for me. I don't. I I debated on number three for a while, but then I realized it's it's doesn't matter. So uh, my third guy is Ben Bishop. Um, I did consider a few different guys. Uh, ironically, although I don't think he's an amazing goalie, and everyone freaks out about how good he is, and this year he didn't really have a good year, and this was the first year I'm like, I, I thought he had a good year, was Andre Vasilevsky uh, was up there for me. Uh, Darcy Kemper was up there for me. Um, I did consider Carter Hart, but he doesn't He doesn't really have the numbers. He kind of... He kind of got blown out a few times, so it, it inflated his numbers a little bit. Um, so he, he kind of got hurt. But yeah, Hellebuck 1, Rask 2, Bishop 3. Okay. Uh, I've got Hellebuck at 1 as well, uh, and Rask at 2. Like I, I agree with you there. It, it's one of those two guys, and everybody else is just... As long as one of the two win, I, I don't really care. Like yeah. I, 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 Does Tuka Rask have a Vesna trophy? He does, right? I think so, like 2014 or something like that. Yeah, like, he had year one year Price where he won. was he was just gross. I think one year. Yeah. Um, but he, regardless, uh, if he doesn't have one, he he deserves one, and if he does have one, he deserves another one because he's uh, one of the best goalies of the post uh, 2005 lockout for sure uh, since since that era began. So um, yeah, yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, he any, any team that has him, you know, would be crazy to trade that guy away. Mm. Um, and well, unless a Calder Trophy winner is on the on the table, of course. Uh, my third place vote went to uh, Jordan Biddington. Uh, thought he had a good season. He's got uh, I don't know, it was like a nine nineteen save percentage. The Blues, great team, and whatever. Uh, I don't really care about anything else about this award. Like those two guys are gonna are gonna win it. I, I don't really care who comes in third. I, I thought the Blues were good. I thought Bennington had a good season and, and whatever. So that's that. Sure. Next up, I got the Lady Bing. So do I. Oh, nice. Oh. Same season. Uh, my number one is Jacob Slavin. Uh, not not only is he number one, I I this was the award that took me the longest because I, I don't even think there's anyone else that deserves to win compared to Slavin. Like, I don't think there's anyone even in the class with him. Uh, I went two Ryan O'Reilly and three Nathan McKinnon. Um, yeah, there, there were a few guys. It gets, I don't know, it's a tough one. Like when you, when this sounds like such a stupid caveat to avoid voting for a guy to win an award. It's really tough when you have a major penalty on your on your rap sheet. So Braden Point was a non-option for me. Shea Theodore was a non-option for me, although uh, they probably would have gotten votes. Otherwise, uh, I think... Under most circumstances, I probably would have given it to Austin Matthews, uh, 
but if I were a PHWA award voter, I have a hard time giving him this award given the events of last summer. Uh, now, obviously, two of my three votes are not exactly model people, but, um, you know, things... You can move on from said things, but it's, uh, I think, just a bad look to give it to Matthews this year, so he is not on my ballot, unfortunately, but he would have been uh, if he were a better boy last summer. Uh, I've got Jacob Slavin winning it as well. Um, defensemen should win more Lady Bing awards. Um, I don't care about this award. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, but the fact that no defenseman ever won it seems weird to me because it doesn't say anywhere in the award that it has to go to a forward. So. I think I like this award, but my problem with it is what we've all accepted the the qualifications are, is that you can't have a major penalty and you need to have less than 20 penalty minutes and you need to have, like, a good amount of points for your position and shit like that. Like, it's just like... I like the idea of giving it to, like, a, a gentlemanly guy, but it's just funny that it's, like, the least penalty minutes award. Yeah, just whoever wore the monocle and top hat best uh, should have won it for sure. Yeah, exactly. uh, Jacob Slavin I had at one, Nathan McKinnon at two, and Austin Matthews at three because if he did something off the ice, it's not hockey. So, uh, I don't know. I don't care. Sure. Give give him third place on a ballot that doesn't matter. There. Yeah. Uh, I got the uh, Selkie Award next. I like this one. I like, damn, I like there this goes award. the order. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do like the Selkie. Uh, it is another award that I think our understanding of what it means has gotten warped over the years, and now we insist on giving it to guys. They have to they have to be good uh, defensively, uh, and what that means nowadays is they need to have more than 60 points, and they need to be a centerman, and uh, they need to play on a good team. Um, now, two of my three uh, nominees are centermen, and all three of them mm-hmm. play on good teams. But, mm-hmm. um, however... Um, my vote is different than it was a week ago because I did a deeper dive into the numbers today and I feel way differently than I did uh, a week ago. Uh, a guy who would not have been on my ballot initially and didn't realize how fucking crazy good he was this year, number one is uh, classic Mark Stone. Uh, <laughs> number two is Ryan O'Reilly. And number three is Sean Couturier, who um, those numbers drastically improved over the last month. Um... I wanted to put Anthony Sorelli on here, but I have a really hard time arguing that over these other guys. So, No, fair enough. Uh, I gave mine to Mark Stone, because Mark Stone should have about three of these awards already, and he doesn't have any. Uh, and that's my Lifetime Achievement Award uh, honorary pick for the mm. Selkie. Uh, also, he's pretty good this year, too, so that helps. Uh, Sean Couturier at second, and uh, everyone's favorite Selkie winner, Patrice Bergeron, at third, because uh, even though it's becoming a bit of a trendy pick, uh, the guy is getting older, and he seems to get better defensively, despite not putting up the points. So hmm. uh, that's where I kind of came down with that decision at third. Ryan O'Reilly, that, that, that's a great great. I'm going to like, gonna go guess, wrong. because I uh, didn't even get to Patrice Bergeron, because he wasn't even close to... Uh, the top of anything that I consider for the Selkie voting. Um, did he miss a lot of time this year? Like, I know he missed some time. Did he miss a decent amount of games? Uh, how, how many games did the Bruins play this year? He played 61, so... Okay. That not that, like that could account for why I didn't see him, so... Yeah. Yeah, 56 points, 61 games. Like, I don't know, just classic Bergeron. 30 goals, oddly enough. Like, I, I didn't think he mm. was a 30-goal guy this year. But Yes, and I assume all from his own end, since it is a defensive award? Uh, probably, yeah. 
Probably. Okay. Um, what's next here? I got the Jack Adams Award. Okay. Yep. Cool. Jack Adams. Um, so what was funny was you and I talked about this a few months ago. Um, not just pre-COVID, but also like maybe halfway through the season. I think we did our, our halfway through the awards voting. Uh, and I believe I went on a rant to which I didn't think anyone was even remotely close uh, to Mike Sullivan in terms of this award. I thought this was for sure the most runaway at the halfway point. Uh, I don't think it's a runaway anymore, but I'm still giving it to Mike Sullivan. Uh, it's a very close second for me for Elaine Vigneault, uh, and third is Jared Bednar. Uh, honorable mention to Bruce Cassidy. I, I just think that Cassidy did what Sullivan and Bednar did, but the Bruins have more depth when they have injuries. So the idea that, look at how many guys missed all this time, and it's like, yeah, okay, but Jake DeBrusque was playing like six, like 18 minutes instead of 16. Like, oh, gee, uh, woe is me that, you know, we had to turn to Jake fucking DeBrusque and Charlie Coyle on your fourth line. Like, It's not Bruce Cassidy's fault that they're deep, but just when that team gets banged up because of injuries, it's not that impressive to me that they kept rolling, is all. Um... You know, he, he 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 did a great job, but he's not a top three to me. Um, yeah, the other three jobs were more impressive to me. Fair I did enough. consider Sheldon Keefe too, but I, uh, yeah, he was he was up there anyway. Uh, I've got uh, Mike Sullivan at one as well. Uh, I've got Paul Maurice at second, and I've mm. got John Tortorella at third. Yeah, Torts was another one I really thought about. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Blue Jackets are uh, say what you want about how they actually play like they do have a lot of numbers to support that they were actually pretty decent this year so mm-hmm. being where they are despite what they lost like yeah. I don't think any of us saw that coming so no exactly they they uh, worked with a chip on their shoulder and um, really embraced it this year I think so for sure uh, the Bill Masterton award I think we talked a little bit about it last yeah. week I don't I don't know if it was on your your ballot but, uh... uh, yeah, no, I, I have it here. My, um, I, I tweeted it out and my opinion hasn't changed since the podcast, nor, uh, my tweet. Uh, my ballot would be number one, Bobby Ryan, number two, Stephen Johns, number three, Shea Weber. Um, it's just with Bobby Ryan, it's not, this is one award where I think it's definitely okay, uh, to look at it as a lifetime achievement award in some, in some capacity too. And Bobby Ryan is a guy, like if, if you don't think that his story this year is remarkable, then there's something wrong with you. But even if you want to put that aside, what this guy fucking went through as a kid, as a teenager, this guy has had a a very tough road to the NHL to where he is now. Nothing's ever been easy for him. And um, he is a guy like, for me, the award on on this one, there needs to be a comeback. So, you know, God God willing, we're going to see Oscar Lindblom and and uh, and Jay Bomeister back in the NHL one day. But that's why they don't really get there for me is there it's hard to give the award for dedication when they're not actively working as a hockey player right now right mm-hmm. um and it's not it's not to belittle their story or anything like that it's just that's not what the award is for it's not the biggest tragedy award it's for dedication and perseverance so that you can't give it to them unfortunately um yeah, Stephen Johns uh, missed almost two years. No one ever thought he would ever play again. He's back and is a 
is I honestly think the probably best defenseman on the Dallas Stars, but that's a different argument. Uh, and Shea Weber, again, like, reports that his career was over and was nearly a point-per-game player for quite a while this year and was really good. So, uh, yeah, those are my three. Fair enough. Um, my three come with a bit of an asterisk because, as I mentioned off the top of the, this list, I wasn't exactly sure when these votes were due. So I've got Bobby Ryan at one. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like I, I think everybody else is just kind of fighting for nomination's sake at this point. Uh, I got him at one. I got Corey Crawford at two just because, again, like that's a guy we talked about last year. Like Probably shouldn't have ever played hockey again, and he mm-hmm. came back and had a really great year with the, with the Blackhawks to the point where they were able to move on from an equally good goalie in Robin Leonard. Um, and then my mm-hmm. third-place vote is for Lindblom. Um, that kind of goes with the assumption that, like, he started skating again in January. There was, you know, all but assured that he wouldn't be back this year. And then the pause happens, and now there's this quasi-debate about, what will, will we see him in the playoffs? Um, so for that reason, uh, he gets third for me because, like I said, not knowing when these awards are going to come out mm-hmm. if he was to show up in the round robin play in series for example like I, I definitely think he's he's worthy i um, i will say this too like i'll put an asterisk on asterisk on my ballot i find it hard to believe that i won't give him a first place ballot one day <laughs> like i think sure. oscar lindblom like that's that we didn't really talk about it when it happened and it, it just because it's it's i almost don't even know what you say when that kind of stuff happens he was having, like, he was gonna. He's gonna be such a good NHL player if he can get back to health. You know what I mean? Like, uh, enough to get back to where he was physically is what I'm saying. Um, fuck, like that is just a, such a shitty situation there. Oh, definitely. Um, so yeah, like I said, like he was skating in January. All signs kind of indicated that he'd be back for next year. Now it looks like he might make it back for the playoffs, and if he does. I think he should have a spot on the ballot. If he doesn't, then I have no problem giving it to, like, you know, Stephen Johns. Like, I agree with you fully. Like, that's a guy that probably is is more deserving of it. But with Bobby Ryan doing what Bobby Ryan did, it's 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 a close race this year. Like, honestly, like most years, I think we, we you know, you see a Brian Boyle type of story where it's like, yeah, there's one guy. And yeah. everybody else is like, okay, maybe there's some good stories, but there's just, like, there's one guy. John, this year, there's like a, a half dozen where Bobby Yeah, Ryan there's a lot the of best. good ones. John, yeah. John's, John's is, on most years, the clear winner for me. Um, sure. But, John, like, John's basically was Patrick Eves, but Eves never really, never technically got back. You know what I mean? He got in a couple games, but he wasn't himself. Uh, you know what I mean? Stephen Johns like came back and was like, "Yeah, fucking Stephen Johns is here." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And that is such a huge uh, addition for the Dallas Stars too. Like, oh, if, if if you don't watch Dallas Stars hockey, um, like Heiskanen and Klingberg and even Lindell are fun to watch. Stephen Johns is basically Colton Pareko, but no one talks about him. Like, he is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and he's an awesome dude. So, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, but you're right, it's a good year, there's a lot of options, like, Crawford's another guy, uh, like, I feel bad saying it, like, he, he wasn't a guy that I voted for 
last year or the year or or I would have voted for last year the year before and he kind of gets screwed this year because of it like he almost gets screwed out of his an award I think the Masterton is an award like I, I do agree I've heard this mentioned before uh, I'm definitely not against it being awarded this way but it's almost I think a not like a, an award in and of itself to get nominated for this award I think if your oh, yeah. team puts you forward uh, like you even you even deserve like a, a plaque or something uh, a 2020 Masterton Trophy nominee NHL type thing and with your team logo on it or something like that like you you deserve some hardware because um, this is my favorite award I I think I've said it before I essentially won the minor hockey version of this award at one point so I I think it's really cool and uh, I value it a lot but or even like the three finalists like you know you know like some years where like the Richard winner will like tie in goals and they'll just mm-hmm. give them both the Richard. Like this is one where like if the three nominees, these are the three Masterton winners kind of thing. Like that would, another way of doing it I think that would work and, and still be effective but the Norris Trophy I have next. Okay. Hot debate. <sighs> yes. I would like to hear yours first. Uh, I've got Roman Yossi at first. I've got Dougie Hamilton at second because I, I know we kind of talked about Dougie Hamilton at the midseason awards um, and how he should be a winner, but because he was kind of doing the Mark yeah. Giordano thing where he was going to miss the last half of the season. But hey, I, guess what? He didn't miss the last half of the season because uh, uh, half of the last <laughs> half of the season didn't exist. So okay. um, he's back in the running for me. Um, okay. And then third, I gave to John Carlson. I know he's not the guy that should win it, but it's really hard to overlook those points. Like, at the end of the day, no, he's not the best defenseman. But he scored a shit ton of points. He's he's doing something offensively sure. that, like, not a lot of defensemen can do. And I think there's merit in that. Like, there's, yeah. like, definitely he should deserve some credit for just doing what he did. Don't think he should win it, but he gets a place on my ballot. Yeah. Sorry. So it was Yossi one, Hamilton two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I. I honestly. I. I don't agree with you on Dougie Hamilton. Um, being. I just. There's not a strong enough case. I think that missing all that time uh, does make a big difference. But I. I don't really have a problem with him getting votes either because uh, he was the runaway uh, the first half of the year. Like clearly was the best defenseman. So. Um, that's fair. Um, my number one, I never thought in my entire fucking life that I would give this guy so much as an as a look for a Norris Trophy. But my number one is Roman Yossi. I, I can't believe I'm fucking doing that. But uh, my number two is Shea Theodore, and my number three is John Carlson. Um, now, now, why can't you believe you're giving Yossi... Uh, uh, because until this year, he was a fucking train wreck defensively. But uh, what I watched of Nashville this year, uh, looking at his numbers, I I dived as deep as I could into heat maps and everything on Roman Yossi the past few days. Uh, he was really good this year. Like I I I I'll give it to him. But um, yeah, no, I, I I almost I almost didn't consider him a defenseman until this year. But he he played defense. I mean, that'll happen. Ryan Ellis misses some time. There's no Subban. Like, he had no choice. That's that's the difference, right? Is Yossi used to get the the full reign to play uh, 2014 Eric Carlson and just hop up in the play and you don't have to fucking worry about uh, doing anything defensively because, you know, we got you kind of thing, right? And 
Um, this year he, he had to adjust. Like he, this was the first year I think Roman Yossi had to be the guy on that blue line, and he was. Uh, I'll give him full credit. I, I think he was great. Um, I I do believe you need to have some points. Like I I couldn't nominate a guy with like 15, 20 points. Uh, at this day and age for the Norris, I think there's something to be said in, in 2020 for an offensive defenseman who can contribute defensively. Uh, defensively, no one was even remotely close to Shea Theodore run away, but for sure the best defensive defenseman in the league this year. But, um, you know, he only got 35 points. Like, he... he, he Shea Theodore? Yeah, he... It's 35, 40, 40... Okay, 46. Like, it's... It's... it's he was he was close anyway. Sorry, I'm thinking Slavin. I think got like thirty thirty five, oh. but uh, and Slavin would have been my fourth. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird year for the Norris. Like there, there was really I think a shifting of the guard uh, from from this from last year to this year. Like anyone that was even close, like the only guy that was close to getting Norris votes for me last year uh, that got them this year was John Carlson. And John Carlson's getting him for very different reasons that he got him for me last year because Carlson was actually good defensively last year, uh, was was almost non-existent this year. But you're right, he got so many fucking points and was still, you know, competent defensively that it's like, all right, it's fine. So mm-hmm. those are my three. Okay, there. I don't. I don't know if I can say there's like a runaway favorite this year. No. Um, aside from like. The like the, the sorry the uh, the numbers crowd that are just going to pick Carlson because they see big yeah. numbers. Like I don't think which, anybody else is really going to run away with it. Which is a shame because this was the year where both sides of the coin could have got behind Dougie Hamilton, right? Because the the underlying numbers unbelievable. Had the points to back it up. It was he was like the perfect storm for mm-hmm. a fucking like Giordano last year, where Giordano was like. It's Geo, and it's no one's even close. Like that was going to be Hamilton this year, and it just didn't didn't happen. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, we're down. To, we got two left here by my count, mm-hmm. um, and probably the two big debates uh, from what I can tell. Uh, let's start with the Calder. I don't know. It's a bit of a. It's, it's kind of a coin flip for myself. I I went yeah. I went Quinn Hughes first. Sure. I went Kale McCarr second. As long as those are your top two, you did not make a mistake. Right. <laughs> That's all I yeah. can tell you. No. Like I, I really can't blame anyone on either side. I feel strongly about my number one vote, but there, you, you couldn't go wrong with the other guy either. Yeah, I, uh, I got Quinn Hughes one. I got Kel McCarr second, and I, I gave, uh, I gave some love to Elvis Merzlikens for hey. what I consider nice, kind of saving the Blue Jackets nice. at a time where they really could have yes. all of a sudden dropped off and missed the playoffs. So. Yes. Uh, my number one's Kale McCarr. My number two is Quinn Hughes. My number three is Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, and I will, I will note it uh, as a Leaf fan. Elvis Merzlikens scares the living shit out of me. He is the perfect example of that come out of nowhere goalie that seventy five percent of hockey fans have never heard of going into this playoff. That's just going to stand on his fucking head, and the Leafs are going to get forty seven shots a night. They're actually going to play good. They didn't play good almost all year. They're actually going to show up for this fucking play in round and lose in four games because they lost three of four games two to one because of Elvis Merzlikens making an average of forty four saves a game. He 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 is really good. Uh, you and I talked about it on the on the on the preseason show. You seem to remember mentioning it, but don't remember me mentioning it. But I definitely also did. Uh, he was touted to be the best goalie outside of the NHL coming into this year. 
it was just a matter of when he was going to get that opportunity. Arguably should have been the number one coming into the year because I do think he's a better goalie than Corpus Allo, but uh, he got his opportunity. He fucking proved it. Um, and he's going to be a lot of fun with the media, I think, during the playoffs. I, I think he's great. So, Merzlikens, number three for me. I, I went Makar, and I, I feel strongly that he's better than Quinn Hughes, but my, my argument isn't really good. Uh, I will admit that. Uh, Makar is a guy that I have a bias over Quinn Hughes just because of the eye test. I don't... I, I Quinn, Quinn Hughes is really good to watch. Like, he, he's... He kind of reminds me of Scott Niedermeyer. Um, he's unbelievable. Uh, Kale McCarr doesn't remind me of anyone because I've never seen a defenseman like him, I don't think. I think I think, I think he's one of the best defensemen I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, I mostly went eye test on that one. The, I know the numbers are very close, and that's why it is... Um, I, that's why I think it's acceptable to go either way. Um, but if I'm relying on my eyes, I think Kale McCarr is, is a lot better. But that's why we don't rely on the eye test anymore, right? Like, that's why analytics are, are a big thing, is because what I see in McCarr might not be what other people see in McCarr. There are a lot of people that watch McCarr more often than I do. I tried to watch a lot of Avalanche this year. Like, that was probably the team I watched, I don't know, the third most, I'd say. Like, I tried. Um he's great like and he's the reason why i watched them it wasn't even mckinnon like i wanted to watch kale mccarr so uh i'm a big fan i'm a little biased but i think uh i actually think quinn hughes probably gonna win um and i have no problem with that because i think he's he's awesome um i sort of laughed a few months ago when people made the argument that he might already be the best defenseman to ever play for the vancouver canucks and it actually might be true (laughs) like he already might be the best defenseman they've ever had like um you know, Oland was really good in his prime, but he wasn't Quinn Hughes. Yeah, it's I, I do like that storyline about the Canucks never really having a guy on defense in their history. It was always a committee type of uh, situation that they had. Um, look, I, I love Kel McCarr. I, I remember watching him coming into the playoffs last year the way he did, and it was it was outstanding. Like that, a, a guy like that could show up in the middle of that kind of pressure and and perform. And um, I don't know. Like I, I went Quinn Hughes. I, I feel like he's got a bit of a tougher situation in Vancouver. Like that's where I kind of came down on it. Wasn't yeah. so much the eye test. It was just a little bit more like, well, he doesn't have a, a Nathan. Mac- like as good as Elias Pettersson is, he's not Nathan McKinnon. Like Nathan McKinnon is one of the three best players in the fucking sport. Um, I could not name another Vancouver defenseman. Uh, you know, whereas Makar's got oh, how dare you know, you. a mentor like Eric Johnson to lean on. Like, he's got guys that, you know, I can kind of point to and say that they're better as a team. And I, it's not to take anything away from Makar. Like, sure. if he wins, all credit to him. I just kind of lean a little bit more Hughes. Vancouver didn't have their struggles with injuries. Like, I, I, I don't want to say that they didn't. But that's another thing, though, with Makar for me is just because... Like, you're right, like, he did have McKinnon, but, like, a lot of the other things that, um, that McCarr, you know, had to work with, he, he didn't have, you know what I mean? Like, for, for a lot of the year, like, they lost more man games, um, the, the Avalanche lost the fifth most, the, the Canucks lost the tenth most, so it's not like the Canucks had an easy road either, but, um, like, a lot more defensive games to injuries, um, and a lot of their hot, like, it was just a lot of, like, high-end players that were out for the, uh, 
for the for the um sorry for the avalanche so that was another thing for me but but you're not wrong like i know he has mckinnon to work with most of the time it was just like you know rantanen was out and then and then gerard is out and it was just like a a never-ending fucking parade of injuries it felt like for the uh for the avalanche um that i think Makar really had to deal with and he gets an edge there for me too but I would like to see the number of people that had uh, going into the season uh, the wrong hues on the ballot. Um, mm. But uh, I digress. Who, who was your pick coming into the year to win the Calder? Do you remember? I think I, I honestly, I think I had Makar. I but think I, I went also Macar had too. I had Kako and Hughes on the ballot, so it wasn't okay. great. Would you care to guess who, which team lost the most man games to injuries this year? While I have it up, and it was by a pretty significant margin. I would guess Arizona. Uh, it's Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. Part, part yeah, of my Mike Sullivan argument. However, John Tortorella was John Tortorella and uh, Blue Jackets was number two. So, where where did the Coyotes come in? Coyotes were. They're not even top ten. Coyotes are mid pack. Wow. Coyotes are about fifteenth or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of but, surprising. But here's the thing: like they lost only thirty-seven man games, um, uh, at forward. They lost 37 in net and 85 defensively, which I believe is the third most in the league. Yeah, so, that's, so the Coyotes that's lost a lot there. Um, yeah, third most defensive man games lost, which is a big mm. one. So, and especially when like your goalies are very much part of your success. Yes, uh, losing even 37 games is going to be a lot. So. Well, and and that's just it. Like, and the funny thing is with the with the Coyotes, like it's not even like their back end is incredible. No, so when yeah. when when Demers and Goligoski and Shalmerson go down, it's like, well, I know they're not amazing. While well, Shalmerson is, but like I know the other two aren't like amazing, but like they're good enough. Like they're good. Mm-hmm. And then Camper's out. It's yeah, the Coyotes are an impressive one. Okay, that leaves us with the big tamale, the hot tamale, the big sure. Kahuna's, whatever you want to call them at the end. Uh, the Hart Trophy, the MVP this- of the league. This is the only ballot that I actually put five down. Um, I put the other two in in italics just because I know we were only really doing three, but if you wanted to know my five. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is number one. Artemi Panarin is number two. Nathan McKinnon is number three. Um, Call it whatever you want. I don't really care. Austin Matthews is my number four, and uh, Elias Pettersson is my number five. Um, Look, like it's not an award for most points. It's not an award for um, who is the best player. Uh, if the Oilers lost Leon Dreisaitl, it is the same as if they lost McDavid. If they lost them both, they are absolutely fucked. If they lose one, they're probably fucked. They have both, and I don't think that they're very good. So, like, eh, I understand that the value to the team kind of thing, if that guy wasn't there, they're fucked. But it's really hard when you have two guys that are clearly carrying the team as opposed to one. And with like Hellebuck like I love the Jets top six forward group I think it's great almost all of them had a down year this year like I think Connor Connor and maybe Ehlers were up in points and everyone else was down I believe I could be wrong about Shifley though um so Hellebuck like is the one guy that was dealing with a not good team a horrible defensive group and forwards that weren't really carrying their load either, probably because the defense were gone, right? So, like, Hellebuck's a clear-cut one for me, but it's just as you go down the ballot for me, all of those guys, I think, um, are guys that clearly are the most valuable to their team, 
And when you have two guys that you can argue who is most valuable, that's when it gets tricky to me with the Oilers. And this was a year where I still think McDavid was more valuable to them, honestly. Um, because Dreisaitl, like there's the argument with how Dreisaitl gets to play. Like, I know when we talk about the Hart Trophy, we're talking about why are you nominating Dreisaitl or not. Every year there's the one fucking guy. you got to have the conversation, why aren't you nominating and this year for me, Dreisaitl, that's the guy. He His minutes get deployed based on what they're doing with McDavid. It's not the other way around. And if you think it's the other way around, you're wrong. This is not a team where Dreisaitl is the better player. We all know Connor McDavid is the better player. Neither of them are any good defensively. And who is better offensively? We all know it's McDavid. So what happens with that team is Dreisaitl plays most of his minutes alone, so he gets um, a, a weaker defensive matchup because McDavid tends to draw the stronger one. Then, because they don't have any depth, Dreisaitl gets snuck out there with McDavid every once in a while, and that's why they both play like 20 to 25 minutes some nights, because Dreisaitl's double-shifting with McDavid, and then McDavid gets tossed out with Dreisaitl, and they try to work their way around the defensive matchups that way, and it's smart because they don't have... Uh, the depth to not do that they have to do that but what i'm saying is is Dreisaitl gets used based on how mcdavid gets deployed to me the argument of saying that he is more valuable than mcdavid it just doesn't hold any traction to me or much traction anyway what i will say about Dreisaitl is he took a step forward this year where i'm now willing to accept him as a legitimate player that you can put in the conversation for the best forwards in the league like, I, I think he's he's closer now. But what you have here is um, more of a uh, Stamco-St. Louis situation than I think a Crosby-Malkin where it's like they're the best two players in the league necessarily. Um, maybe Stamco's the wrong comparison because I don't know if he was the best player ever in the league. But I'm saying the degree of separation between McDavid and Dreisaitl's bigger. I know Dreisaitl gets used based on how McDavid gets used. If you watch the games, it's it's clear, right? So, um, but I understand there's a lot of arguments for him. People are going to argue that. Uh, I don't know if you are because I just talked for six minutes. But, um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll start this way by saying that I've got Connor Hellebuck at one, um, and that I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> but no, I don't see how any other player was as valuable to his team's success as Connor Hellebuck was. Uh, I, I think if anybody other than Hellebuck wins, it's it's wrong in my opinion. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, no, no, I, I agree, I, I agree oh, with I agree. you most years, <laughs> where it's like any of my three, if they won, it would be like, oh, that's fine. Like that's a good pick. This year, like I, I, it's almost black and white. Like I don't understand how anybody else is even in the conversation. Um, but it's because he's a goalie, and it's because yeah. the Jets weren't really well, all that great that I think he's losing a lot of traction. Panarin and McKinnon, to me, I don't know the rest of your nominees, but just like in the context of what you're saying, Panarin and McKinnon, to me, if they had this year on a year where Connor Hallebuck didn't have this season that he had, I think Panarin and McKinnon had Hart Trophy-type seasons. Where if they did this last year, if this was last year, and this was the body of work, I think they're in the Hart Trophy conversation last year. The year before. Like, th this is what I think of when I think a Hart Trophy season. 
Now, Connor Hellebuck is run away for me. But I think if they give it to Panarin and McKinnon, I can at least sit and look at it and be like, okay, at least they had Hart Trophy type seasons. And even Matthews, I think there is probably that case too. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, I, I think Hellebuck is far and away uh, the Hart Trophy winner because this is a team that is somehow uh, not not just playing, I think technically has last change during the play-in round. Don't, are they the home ice or no? Or the Flames? Yeah. The Flames are home ice. Okay. Regardless, they made this 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 uh, Stanley Cough tournament that we're having um, because of this guy. Because not, like, you can, like, other years you make the argument when the guy's the good goalie, is he maybe just a product of the of the system? Uh, look at Laurent Brassois' numbers this year, and if you don't think Laurent Brassois is a good goalie, look at his numbers last year. <laughs> like, that is your heart trophy. That's all you need to look at. Look at Hellebuck's numbers, then look at Brassois' numbers this year, Brassois' numbers last year. And you'll see the strong case for Hellebuck there. Yeah, and then if that's not enough for you for some reason, go out and look at what the decor looked like a year ago to what the decor looks like mm. now. Because, like, even that is night and day. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, it, it's a no contest. I don't think he's going to win... Like I said, strictly because he's a goalie, strictly because the Jets weren't a fucking division, you know, leading type of team. But that's uh, it's part of how the votes uh, crumble, I guess. But uh, So he's at one. I've got Go McKinnon ahead. at second. I've got Panarin at third. Um, both guys, like you said, like I, I think they're very deserving of the award. Um, uh, Panarin... You know what what he did with the Rangers down the stretch there to, to get them back in the conversation is is just phenomenal. Like if if he was playing at that type of pace all season long, I don't even know if we're talking about Hellebuck. Uh, he he took a little bit to get going, and rightfully so. Like you're coming into a big market like the like New York, and uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to those those types of new oh, surroundings and, and, and not even just that. Like and, like like not a not a great team. Like, they're not sure. a great team. They're okay. Sure. Um, they had no idea who their goalie was going to be. A coach that I don't really think is great. Like, they, they, they had some obstacles to get around, for sure. And uh, the slow start was more than understandable for New York. I, I, I would say that they're closer to that than what they were at the end of the year, even though I did take them to make the playoffs this year. But. Yeah. Uh, uh, rounding up my five, I've got Drysaddle at four, and I've got O'Reilly at five. Uh I, I fully am aware that Ryan O'Reilly is not going to appear on many people's ballots, if any That's at an all. That's an interesting one, yeah. Uh, I, I look at, you know, losing Tarasenko 10 games into the yeah. season, and it was very much a committee type of team in St. Louis the rest of the way, but but Ryan O'Reilly was, like, night in and night out the guy. Um, you know, like, his, his work in the defensive zone, um, that kind of leads to success like we, we look at the numbers and we, we're so quick to say that like you know a dry settle or a Kucherov gets the heart because they scored 130 points well how many points did O'Reilly take away like how many did he, did he yeah. prevent against his team so that's something that I'd really like to see moving forward more of where we, we look at these guys that deserve some recognition not for putting the puck in the net necessarily but for being valuable which is 
you know, the definition of the award. Um, so I, I had to include him on my list. Dreisaitl, I get your argument. I I definitely think there's merit to it. Um, I should I should point out also because I didn't mention this in my rant. Uh, Dreisaitl would be my number six if I got six votes. Okay. I I I just think that for the reasons that I pointed out, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to think he's a runaway one, two, or three vote. And to me, there's just there's too much of an argument against him. I think, and um, I I genuinely believe. I understand this is not a good point that everyone who thinks otherwise is wrong. <laughs> I like I I don't see how people can can claim to know things about hockey and not understand how de- like deployment works. You know what I mean? Well, I I understand how deployment works. You know, I've been behind a bench with you uh, for for a long long time, but No, I, uh, yeah, well you're not an idiot. You didn't put him ahead of fucking McKinnon or Panarin yeah. or Hellebuck. I, I will say, in his defense, however, at the end of the day, uh, deployment is not Leon Dreisaitl's problem, and uh, I don't think he should be penalized because his. Oh, coach but not not winning the heart. Know. Not winning the heart trophy is not a fucking penalty, though. It's an award. It's not a fucking participation no, award. It's just, to point out you I did a good job. Like like, but but I just I don't like your wor- Your wording is is weak. It's just like. To say that he's getting penalized, like, I know it's not his fucking fault. He did a great job with what he was given this year, but he what he was given was an opportunity to play with one of the best players in the league sometimes, and that helped him. Sure. Uh, I, again, I don't think he was penalized. I just, I don't hold it against him. You know, I, I'm, sure. not, I'm not going to sit here and say that he doesn't deserve it because of his coach. Uh, that's, to me, kind of a non-factor. Um... I, I think he had an outstanding season. I, I think he did uh, very well given the circumstances that that he was placed in. Like at the end of the day, like you're, you're right, Connor McDavid uh, is the best player in the world, and for a long, long time, Sidney Crosby was the best player in the world. And you know, Evgeny Malkin has a heart Trophy, and he had a lot of success in Pittsburgh. And I, I find that these two situations are are very similar. And hmm. you know, to say that Evgeny Malkin never deserved a a hard trophy vote because he played on the best player in the world's, you know, second line, and he got the better deployment. Yeah, but the, the is... year that Malkin won the Hart Trophy, correct me if I'm wrong, though, he he was the number one center. Crosby missed most of the year that year, did he not? Crosby missed most of the season that year, right. Uh, that That is the year that Whereas he won it. Whereas McDavid just... missed, what, five games this year, I think? Like, it, it, I, I see your point. I'm just saying, like, he, to say that that Malkin is the same argument as as Dreisaitl here. Like, Dreisaitl definitely got by with a little help from his friend this year. That's for sure. No, for sure. I, I'm not. I'm not even really saying that the year that Malkin won it is is where my case comes down. Like, I'm like he, he had a second place finish. He had a third place finish. Like both years that he finished ahead of Crosby, where Crosby was not. You know, he he was, didn't like. To your point, he missed most of the season the year Malkin won but there's been seasons that Malkin has clearly you know blown Crosby out of the water in terms of the hard voting and Crosby's been healthy and he played behind Crosby and he got the better deployment so to speak and yeah so I, well, I look at the situations very similarly in that regard I I I, I mean I, I've never actually I, I don't remember any instances where the voting was like that that you're talking about but what I what I will say is um, just to your point 
is just because that's what people wanted to do with the hard voting 10 years ago if that's in fact what they did I, i've never really looked at the voting that that deep um uh, that doesn't mean that that's I, I don't agree with that determination of the heart trophy i think if you have two guys on one team that are are arguably guys that you could put top five on your ballot that it's really hard to make that case dry the closest i could come uh that i've seen in a long time where i could stomach giving him a heart trophy vote knowing full well that he's not the best player on his team and and, and maybe wasn't even this year you know what i mean like he he he's definitely certainly very close like i said he would be six i just think i can make a better case for matthews and Pedersen is the only reason why i put him there but you're not wrong like he he regardless wasn't was great this year uh if they don't have him to help mcdavid they are definitely fucked but it, it, it's it's a tough sell for me uh that's fair i like i said like he's he's definitely not in my running for winning this thing no um i, I just think he deserves a little bit of credit, and honestly, like I, this is a shit reason, and I'll, I understand fully where you know, if if you want to rip me apart for this one, uh, mm-hmm. this might be the only chance to put Leon Dreisaitl on a heart ballot. Well, uh, no, I actually, for, I actually like, don't think that's a bad reason. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that one because, uh, to your point, like, like this is only the second year we've done this podcast, but like, there is no instance I don't think yet in his career where I would have voted McDavid as yeah. my number one vote. And so, like, eventually, he's got to fucking win one, right? But, you know, are we are we going to make this a lifetime achievement award? Like, what's the guy got to fucking do to win a heart trophy? You know what I mean? Doesn't he have um, one? Maybe uh, to win another one. I'm just saying, like, how many okay. years in a row are we gonna uh, are we gonna make the argument that he shouldn't win one, right? And sure. uh, my my point is is I think <laughs> I like I understand uh, that it's value to your team, but. He just hasn't had the case yet for me. I, I think he did win one two years ago. But he did, 2016, 2017. 20, right, when they, they made the yeah. playoffs, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, there anyway. Yeah. yeah, just like, yeah, okay. Mo- mo- moving on, um, we're going to wrap up with uh, some over- overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite for the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got... Uh, uh, a category this week is action film franchises chosen by yours truly. So if you don't like action films, I don't know what to tell you. Turn off the podcast, go home, have a have a good night. Uh, for those of you that do like action films and are uh, uh, right of mind, um, welcome mm. to this edition of Overrated, Underrated, Favorite, Least Favorite. And we're going to get things going with the overrated category. Brutes, what is your overrated action well, film series? I should say before uh, people turn off the podcast, uh, if you don't like action <laughs> films, I, I don't really either. <laughs> I it, it, uh, You know what? Um, I, I like... I think action movies in most cases are rarely, like, awful. They're usually at least entertaining, and I think that they al- almost always serve their purpose. You know what I mean? I've seen a large portion of Jason Statham's uh, filmography. I've seen probably everything from the 2000s. Uh, they're all they're all bad. Like if you think there's a good one, no. They, every movie he was in in the 2000s is a bad movie. But they're all entertaining. Jason Statham's a bad actor. They're all ten- entertaining as fuck, though. They're all mint. Um, so uh, yeah, if you don't like action movies, you should know. I agree. They're mostly all not great. But there are a few good ones. Um, I'm not going to say that this series is bad. Uh, I just think it's overrated, um, which is Die Hard. 
I don't think I, I just I think that they're considered to be uh, some of the greatest action movies of all time and uh, the action scenes are good there are some explosions and there's there's some some fun shit going on sure uh, the plot makes no sense so and I don't I don't know how they've made so many of them but um, mostly because for some reason uh, everyone went to see the first one and then went to see the second one after the first one was not good so uh, they're 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 fine I don't hate their existence I like that Bruce Willis has an action series uh, to claim to his own because because um, Bruce Willis is the man but they're 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 not they're not like the best and I think they get they get regarded as one of the best action series ever and I think it's uh it's it's bottom half of the of the action film franchises I looked at today for sure the the franchise itself I I will agree is probably a little overrated that first film however I do uh, strongly disagree with you uh, it is probably one of the all time greatest action movies of all time that first one but it was all downhill after that for the yeah. most part well like I said the action's good the plot is nonsensical but that's fine it's it's like that's the point of action movies they're not supposed to fucking <laughs> yeah, make sense they're not sometimes. gonna make sense no yeah. but that that it was just too big of a plot hole for me to look past so okay that's fair um my overrated uh, action film series uh, is the one that I just finished watching, which is The Fast and Furious. Um, I I like the first one. I can stomach the next two or three. The rest fucking suck. And uh, the fact that we keep churning these things out every two years, uh, despite, like, one of the main guys, he's dead. Like, it's over. Wow. It's dead. It's done. It, like, stop beating it with a stick. Uh... Oh, Give man, up already. But, but but if they play that trailer with that Wiz Khalifa song enough times, maybe they'll sell more tickets. Where they're looking at each other in the cars. Remember that? Family. It's all about family. family. Yeah. My familia. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like I I again I can noted Italian. I can American watch Vin a few Diesel. of them, but they are wildly overrated. Like these things are outgrossing like Good movies at the box office every fucking summer, and I don't know. Oh, just and, and see, but that that's that's the thing, right? Is like, I have this conversation with people all the time. I'll try to make this as quick as possible, but it's like, I'll tell people that, like, for example, okay, sure, the Fast and the Furious movies are terrible, and like you said, uh, well, how come they make so much money at the box office? Because they're an easy watch. Everyone can go and just just turn their brain off for two hours and watch these movies it's the same mm-hmm. thing to a to a very different degree but this is why superhero movies work right it's because it's not a super complicated plot a uh, lot of action lots of cool shit lots of special effects like they're fun to watch and for the most part like a lot of superhero movies uh have like decent plots so it's like you can go to the theaters and everyone can get behind it whereas like you know these movies that are sometimes difficult to make because they have these uh, intricate plots that are really dramatic and stuff like that that win all these awards. It's not going to appeal to everyone. There's a lot of people that just want to go to the theater and watch a bunch of shit get blown up for two hours and don't want to watch like Kate Winslet cry because uh, because like a family member is going to die or something like that. Like these are the types of things that appeal to everyone. I like so like when I say these movies are bad and people are like, well, how come so many people go to see them? Because they're easy to watch. It doesn't make them good. They're just 
they're easy to shovel just to shovel the shit down your throat I love that saying by the way I've been saying it last few episodes shoveling the shit I um I will agree with you that uh, 99% of all action films are easy to watch uh, I will disagree no, with you all. however having just watched uh, Fast and the Furious 6, 7, and 8 I was confused the whole time <laughs> Those movies did not make a lick of sense to me. I oh. don't understand what happened. I had to go back and read the fucking plot okay. on Wikipedia to figure out what happened. So now, those were not I, easy. I really can't imagine, actually. I thought I had, but now that I'm thinking about it, there's actually no way that I've seen, like, 7 and 8. Um, 7 was the last one with Paul Walker. Okay, yeah, there's no way I saw that. Um, yeah. Did, uh, like, is it is it complicated because they tried to make it an intricate plot? Or is it complicated because the writers were actually so stupid that they didn't realize it didn't make sense. Because okay, there is so a difference. For for me, there was two things that made it complicated. One was that by movie six and seven, they've introduced so many fucking characters, I don't know who's who. Like, okay. uh, they, they sure. reference, like, Do they all Angelo. look the same, too? I love when movies well, do that. Well, it's a very diverse cast. I will give them a lot of credit okay, for that. That's like, they've always been a diverse cast. At least but... they've tried to make them look different. Yeah, they'll be like it'll be like this intense scene, and and Vin Diesel will be like, "We gotta get you, Angelo." And it's like, "Who's Angelo?" It's like, "Oh, the mechanic that we knew in like the second <laughs> film." And it's like, "Well, we haven't seen this guy in like, twelve years. Like Can we maybe a, provide a little more like information?" Like it's a about TV series, eh? Like it's yeah. a series. <laughs> like everyone, like when you watch series, you know you need to keep track of everybody. You shouldn't oh, with a movie need to like pay no. attention to a guy that was in like five movies ago for ten minutes. This is mo- this o- is mostly why I don't like film franchises is because I think they're just <laughs> not only that but you have to remember that I'm just not I just like watched that. all these films like I oh, shouldn't God, forget yeah, what happened a week ago whereas like these movies span like 15 years and it's like oh that guy looks familiar now I have to look him up to figure out why he looks familiar and whether or not he's important to the to the plot beyond that the plots just got ridiculous where it was you know one second they had to shoot down a plane because they needed the chip off the plane but then the chip had something to do with <laughs> a prince in Abu Dubai like it just yeah. didn't make any sense to me so uh, mm-hmm. that is my overrated for action film franchises yeah, for sure. uh, you're underrated sir I like that they're trying to shoot down planes considering as far as I know this is a movie I'm about cars no uh, it was my... uh, a sub yeah yeah, remember when this just turned out to be like a drag race gone wrong? Uh, my 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 <laughs> my underrated. Um, it was in the running for favorite, but I actually haven't seen the third one yet, so I can't declare this my favorite um, movie series yet. Uh, it's John Wick. Um, John Wick being one of the few action movies I've seen that uh, is is mostly about the action. And isn't about the plot, but actually has a really good fucking plot. Um, and everything sort of makes sense, and the acting's good, and it's like uh, a movie that I don't get bored with, like, after half an hour. Like, it's just, it's a fun watch, even though it's kind of a darker sort of theme to it. Um, John Wick's badass. I, 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 anything with Keanu Reeves that has decent production value is uh, is okay by me. Um, so, having said that, I like The Matrix, I like John Wick, I don't like Speed, while we're on the topic of, uh, of Keanu Reeves' uh, action franchises. Um, if they make another Constantine, Constantine was good, but they only have only made one so far, I think, so. 
speaking of uh, Keanu Reeves action film series, uh, The Matrix came real close to being on my overrated uh, yeah. pick for sure. Uh, I, it uh, almost it almost was overrated for me. Well, it is overrated. It was just, it was almost most overrated. It's just uh, I still think it's really good, but it drops off significantly. Is the problem like the original? Sure. The originals, uh, originals arguably like okay. top 10 action movie ever like it's, it's fine it redefined uh movies so it's it's good in that sense but they, they didn't really need to keep it i mean they needed to keep it going because that's how they set it up but anyway so uh, they make money you're underrated uh my underrated um i will admit is probably not underrated in the grand scope of things, but it seems to be underrated ah, in Bond regards movies. to the people that I talk to frequently that apparently don't know these films and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Mission Impossible franchise. Ah, there we go. I actually thought you yeah. were going to say James Bond for a second. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> fuck it, everybody knows nobody what that today, is. Like, nobody, nobody today knows about Roger about... Moore and his it's not, goddamn... It's not even that. It's like the fucking uh, Casino Royale brought in like $400 million or something <laughs> at the box office. Like, it's underrated. Nobody knows about it. Yeah. No, and that's that's why Like I, I say off the top, like, Mission Impossible, like, they do well every time they put one out, but like, Every time I talk to somebody, they're like, "Oh no, I haven't seen that. Like, I haven't seen any of them." And it's like, "What are you doing? Like, if why are you watching this crap when you should be, you know, if you're gonna watch an action movie, well, watch a fucking action movie." But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the Mission Impossible movies. They're just ridiculous enough that I can still believe it. Like, like yeah, when the no, Fast and the Furious, I, I, I know are, exactly what you mean. When the Fast and the Furious crew are taking on a submarine which is in water and cars drive on land, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Whereas, like, Tom Cruise jumping off a building, it's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can believe it because I know that Tom Cruise does all these fucking stunts himself and that's mm-hmm. also uh, part of the reason I enjoy watching these movies. So, Yeah, you uh, know what? Yeah. I think Tom Cruise may go down as one of the most underappreciated actors of all time because he got so famous and everyone was like, over him as an actor and then like he was in the news too much so he didn't get big roles for well he still doesn't That's um fair. like yeah. he he the guy can like he's such a good fucking actor like he's so good i watched uh top gun the other night which like don't get me wrong like um and actually that might that technically doesn't qualify yet as a franchise but it will by the end of the year and it will be my favorite because i i i'm hoping that sequel's good um but i real bad i'm watching i'm watching i'm watching the original right and it's like this this like i always say con air or like 1408 is like the best is like my favorite bad movie or john q you know what i mean top gun's actually kind of bad like it is some of it is really fucking cheesy and some of the acting is not good um the the soundtrack is just ridiculous to me i know it was 1986 and at the time, this was an amazing soundtrack, but it doesn't age well. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, God, like, how many times are they going to play Take My Breath Away in this fucking movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Loverboy was big at one point, okay? <laughs> Just don't forget it. Oh, man. I love the scene in the bar when they're singing Lost That Love and Feeling. Uh, also, when we're, uh, while we're on the topic, do you want to know how much money Skyfall made at the fucking box office? Skyfall. So that's not the newest Bond. This one before. Um, it's eight hundred and sixty million. One point one billion dollars. Okay, wasn't far off. 
That's fucked, though. Like, I didn't I didn't think any of them had broken a billion dollars. And Spectre was somehow only uh, $880 million. Like, that's a bad thing, but... Hmm. Sam uh, everyone wanted to get a one last glimpse of uh, Dame Judi Dench, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Jeez. Um, okay, my favorite. Um, probably could have made the underrated list for sure, but uh, I'm going to go with the uh, long-running series by Tug, Ste- Tug Speedman, the Scorcher series. Mm. Uh, Tug yeah. Speedman. Sure. Uh, Global Meltdown. No, uh, my favorite Who is the James the Bond series. Yeah. James Bond. Um I don't know. Just, Nothing wrong. I think we've talked about James Bond enough on this podcast the last fucking three months. So. Yeah. Uh, eventually, He's real good. I gotta tell you, I'm really, really starting to run low on movies. There's a good chance I'm gonna sit down and watch all the Bonds, uh, like, a month from now, because I'm assuming, you know, I, I will still be sitting at home all day, every day. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a good chance I will revisit that. Um, I have most on DVD if you need to borrow some. Actually, I think I have one of your DVDs here, so that's a good start. Um, my favorite is uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I... You know what? You know what's funny about it is when I was younger, I didn't like them, and I didn't have as picky of a movie uh, taste as I do now. And now I have a pickier movie taste, and I do enjoy... I just... I enjoy that there is plot to it, but not heavy plot because when the plot gets bad towards the last few movies it's not it's not as reliant on plot as it is just Johnny Depp being Johnny Depp and you know um, the cast obviously for the first few movies is unbelievable too and uh, the fact that they somehow got Jeffrey Rush into those movies I still don't understand but um, yeah they're they're, they're great I I think they're a lot of fun Uh, they do a lot of things good uh, honorable mention to Rush Hour because that's was initially the, the pick, but I had to go with Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I I do love the uh, Pirates uh, movies. Uh, really looking forward to the next one because I'm I'm told there's going to be seven more or something stupid Come like on. that. Now that John, now that we're allowed to like Johnny Depp again. <laughs> now that Johnny um, Depp's now that now that he's not canceled. Yeah, now that he's the one that is the victim or something. Yeah, that, um, that was fucked. And you know, you know what bugs me about that too, though, is like she's still got a L'Oreal commercial that's on TV every day. Take take your fucking commercial off the well. Air. Now, the now commercial. she lost her she lost her franchise though. At least so that's, what was that's she a step in? in the right direction. She was the she was in the. Aqua girl, oh, like she was an Aquaman or something dude, like that. Dude, like I think the the be. only thing I I can honestly like say I remember her being in is uh, being uh, Dale Denton's high school girlfriend in Pineapple Express. That's the only thing mm. I fucking can think of her as. That's fair. I can see that. Uh, my least favorite is the Fast and the Furious. We already Ooh. talked at length about that, so I don't really need to show my work there. I don't think. Thought you get that out of the way, yeah. Yeah, it was just like movies about racing cars, which was like my favorite thing as a kid. And even as a kid, I was like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't very good." Didn't age well either. So, Uh, my least favorite is uh, is one is a series where on paper uh, should be the fucking greatest uh, action series of all time. Lethal Weapon, but fucking sucks. The big one, Lethal Weapon. Um, I'm I'm talking about uh, the Expendables with oh, every fucking action yeah. star ever yeah. and 
they dropped the ball. Like I don't know how many you can how you can get those many guys with such great bodies of work in the action genre and churn out three garbage pieces of, of work the way they did. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, should, shouldn't even be like mathematically possible, but they pulled it off, so good for them. Yeah, well, here's the problem, is uh, when it would have been a good movie to make was uh, 15 years earlier than when they made it, and that's when it would have been too hard to afford to do it, um, because none of these guys were making oh, money by the time that they did so, it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the exp- what you're saying is, like, the Expendables Are is, like, in the, the... In and of it's themselves It's like the Rock expendable. the Fort... Of, yes. of like yes. yeah, so like that that lineup in its heyday would have been insane. Exactly, but we had to settle for sixty-two year old April. Doing Rock the Ford in two thousand two was way more feasible than doing it in nineteen eighty-seven for sure. Right, and it's the same okay. thing with the Expendables. Like, if you're telling me that they were going to call, uh, you know, well, I mean, they wouldn't have got Jason Statham because he didn't have a career by then. But everyone else who's in that fucking movie. Uh, in the 90s and try to like get them to do it. like Mickey Rourke wasn't free in the fucking 90s you know what I mean uh, like Sylvester Stallone's busy he's making all the fucking bad Rocky sequels now you know you didn't have True. time you got True. time for your problems the, yeah, the, the, the crazy thing about the Expendables movies too is that like like between Expendables 1 and Expendables 3 like like ninety percent of the cast is the same. So like, is anyone dying in these films? <laughs> who's who's dying? Who's getting shot? Yeah, it's <laughs> who's just, doing the shooting? It's just like Star Trek. All the fucking uh, all the what are they called? Ensigns or whatever. The fucking just the expendable yeah. people that just get <laughs> yeah. killed off all the time. <laughs> the red shirts and never have any names. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. There it is. The okay. uh, the worst of the worst. The best of the best. Uh, as presented by the laced up hockey podcast mm-hmm. um, well thanks for sticking around if you if you stuck around we do appreciate it uh, it is a bit bit of a long one not planned to be that long uh james james was trying to figure out if he should give me a quiz this week and i'm like no i think we got enough and i'm pretty pretty happy that we didn't go the quiz route because this uh, this was one of the longest of all time but um uh, thanks speaking for, of, thanks i got for a quiz yeah, um, I'm going delirious from the heat stroke in my room. Actually. Yes, and go let, let's let's get you out of there. Um, I don't have anything to plug yet. I again, it's I'm sure it's coming. Um, also working on other potential writing opportunities, so I will uh, keep you posted when I know more about what might be happening there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I got nothing. Um, I have less than nothing. So oh, wow, I don't. Yeah, you have a don't. job. You have a yeah. job. I I technically have two, but do I though? <laughs> do I really? You golf a lot. Yeah, that's become my job, uh, and somehow I'm getting worse at it. So I, I like how every time I think I should stop spending, like I should stop online shopping, I should stop buying beer, I should stop going yep. golfing. Uh, J- Justin sends me another check in the mail, and everything is okay yeah. again. So yeah. <laughs> I went out to Chapels the other day and uh, golfed what was for sure my worst round of the year. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, as we went through the course and we did more holes, I'm like, you know, this is probably one of the easiest courses in the city and I can't fucking figure it out for some reason. I don't know what it is about Chapels. I can't get my shit together there. I hate Chapels. It's the only course, not only I've have I never shot a good round, I don't even remember shooting more than like a dozen good shots. Like, I, I, I forget all of my rounds there because there's nothing worth remembering. 
Yeah, I, I, I hate that course. I, I refuse to go there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not yeah. good. It was cheap. Yeah. We, had, we had a we had a coupon, so I love a good coupon. I, yeah, it was a good it was a good coupon. Um, yeah, enter Ooh. promo code uh, laced for thirty uh, percent off coupon for the uh, mm. podcast moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we will have something next week, maybe even a bonus episode. Uh, the last week of June, we may a first week of July type thing. We may be absent. Uh, don't fret. I I'm just away. So. Um, but I will be back. I I get my mandated vacation time with or without you. So yeah, no more solo op- episodes here. <sighs> yeah, you know. And part of me was just kind of thinking, like, because we were waiting out to see what was going to happen with this. I was like, man, I like, I guess, I guess, I guess, season two is just going to be like a year and a half long. Okay. No, no. Well, <laughs> when we'll is find this, a when are we ever going to get time? We'll we'll find a period. They're going to shut the season down for like all of. October, we'll, we'll take oh, October yeah. off. Okay. Yeah. Good. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm glad you're very optimistic about how this is going to work. Mm. Okay. We'll see you okay. later. Bye bye. Bye bye. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Takes a lot to change, man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Nobody knows what ways for the dead. Nobody knows what ways for the dead. Some folks just believe in the things they've heard and the things they read. Nobody knows what ways for the dead I'm glad I can't go back to where I came from I'm glad those days are gone, gone for good If I could take spirits from my past and bring them here You know I would, you know I would Nobody speaks to God these days Nobody speaks to God these days I'd like to think he's looking down and laughing out of ways Nobody speaks to God these days When I was a child they tried to fool me Said the worldly man was lost and that a hell was real Well I've seen hell in Reno And this world's one big old Catherine wheel Spinning still Maybe it's time to let the old ways die Maybe it's time to let the old ways die Takes a lot to change your plans Hell, a train to change your mind Maybe it's time to let the old ways die Oh, maybe it's time to let the old ways die